0: You're
1: going to be a football player
0: when you go home? Today is the best
2: day of
1: your life.
3: Believe you me. 18 is something like that. That's all right. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've been in football all my life. VIP listeners, this is the On the Mark mock, mock Draft episode. We love doing this episode because, of course, we love talking sports especially when we have great sports guests, which we have lined up for this show. We push this kind of stuff when it's relevant. When it's time to talk sports, we're not afraid to do that on this show. It's right in our wheelhouse. We have some opinions that should be heard, and our guests have some opinions that should be heard. It's going to be a fun one. We're glad you're joining us. And, Benny, I know you're just as excited as I am for this.
4: I'm a mock draft geek, Marky. I absolutely love this time of year. I'm a huge NFL draft guy, but really it's the time before the draft that's the best part of it. It's the guessing and, see and planning where these teams are going to go that's so interesting and intriguing.
3: Absolutely. For me, the draft is you know a time of hope. I'm a Raiders guy. I've been my whole life. I haven't seen many great seasons, to say the least. So this has always been the most fun time of the year for me because it's a time of hope. Build those expectations. As I wrote about in my blog that I put out last week, it's a time where it could put a smile on your face uh, when you're not playing games. You know, there's some positivity to be gained. Frankly, I think this draft is one of the more interesting drafts in years because there are a lot of teams that need a quarterback. There's a lot of quality quarterbacks, and that could call for some dramatic draft day trades specifically thursday in that first round to get one of those top
4: qbs absolutely not only are there some top qbs that these teams want to possibly make moves to go and get but really just ultimately want on their team there's a lot of great talent all around this first and second round especially but really all through this whole draft and it's going to cause a lot of teams in the middle and back half of this draft To get some players that they would never imagine getting in those positions
3: absolutely and teams are going to want to collect picks because of that same reason there's a lot of talents throughout this draft guys were projected third fourth fifth round guys but could probably come in and you know start right away we see it every year i love the trade backs i'm hoping the raiders trade back uh it's always a cool thing to See the team's logo on that bottom banner of the TV change, and you know then you're waiting to hear the yeah. You're the waiting draft you details. Need to figure it out. Now this is what I will say: the uh, the Twitter generation, the spoiling of the picks too soon, has been very annoying. In fact, Rich Eisen spoke out, and he said it's mainly the Sports Illustrated writers tweeting out and spoiling picks, and that takes away from the television value of the draft. I totally agree. I can't stand that. Keep your phone in your pocket. Um, You know, start writing a piece or something. I don't know. Do so. You don't have to tweet and ruin the picks. It's only a two-minute difference anyway. Half the time. You know what I mean? I like watching the thing unfold on live TV. There's something cool about seeing your team and your organization pulling the curtain back Mm -hmm. a little bit and seeing them operate on a live basis.
4: Absolutely. It's one of the few times you actually get a live look at that sort of process because, you know, while free agency has a time where it starts and they have a countdown towards, they don't Uh, necessarily—not everything happens right away. It takes time, weeks, months even— So the draft is the only time where you know there's a set time where your team has to make a decision. It's a very exciting time. And like you said, hope, optimism. I've seen a lot of wasted draft picks, a lot of great talent that was supposed to be on this field. And then they got on the team and they were crap. Sometimes it happens, man. But it's exciting to look at these young guys. And project what they could possibly become.
3: Yeah, and you know I always enjoy seeing like the draft summary, and I like seeing the names and the schools they went to. Guys from all across the country, all these different schools. It's cool. I it love is. when
4: like a Michigan and Ohio State guy get picked back to back by the same stuff team. Like that and now when
3: they... teammates get drafted together, yeah, that's cool that's too. awesome.
4: I love when the rivals get drafted together because that rivalry before in college that they hated this other guy makes this bond stronger now with this new teammate yeah. because you went through these possible oh, big yeah. ten and games you know together. There's
3: back room, locker room bets when those guys those guys teams play. Absolutely. Now let me have a little fun here. We now we know why we love the draft. Everybody knows that. Monday night football is an abyss right now. It's an absolute mess. Uh, we started to realize that during the whole ESPN Debacle. constantly talking politics, and man, did it show up worse than ever. I think, what was it, week one last year, early in the season, with that whole Sergio dip thing?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, man, was that strange. I mean, Monday Night Football has become a Class B act now.
4: Seriously. It's the last program they want to give a good game to.
3: People enjoy Sunday football at 1 o'clock more. People enjoy the 4 o'clock, 425, whatever game more. Thursday
4: Uh, night football has become a bigger deal than Monday night. Yeah,
3: and, you know, Thursday night football has its haters, but uh, not as much hate as Monday night's getting. Uh, The only rivalry that Monday night football has in terms of getting hated on is those London games. Sure. And I don't necessarily hate the London games, But I'm looking forward to almost putting a fold on that era. Like, they don't need to happen.
4: I feel bad for the players. At the end of the day, though, I kind of do like it. You have that 9 a.m. game. I don't wake up to watch it. No, absolutely not. But it's kind of cool that when I wake up, there's already a game happening. Odds are it's a game I don't care about more often than not. So at that point, I kind of like it. It's kind of cool to wake up and see some football happening.
3: I'll say this. If I wake up for that game, and I have something else to do that can be accomplished, I'm going to do
2: that.
4: I'm usually doing something yeah, I'm else. Not, there I'm
3: not nestling in and like going to try to enjoy this game.
4: But it's cool around like 10, 15, 11, when you get to your phone or you're talking to someone, you see a TV out of nowhere, and you kind of see the score and you find out what's been happening as you've been living your life around that football game.
3: Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I agree there. Uh, now, this year we have two good London games. Eagles-Jaguars, which is a fantastic game. Yeah. And Raiders-Seahawks. Mm. That's
4: that's a nice game. I think Raiders blow them out.
3: Uh, well, it's another win for the Raiders' schedule because they don't have to go to Seattle with that obvious home field advantage. Perfect. You avoid a rain game.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, It's, it's huge for the Raiders. I mean... But who knows? You know, break. It's too early to break down schedules. We're here. I to want bre- to
4: break down every week. Martin. We're here
3: to break down the draft. Now getting back to Monday Night Football. When I was riding over here, Benny, my dream Monday Night Football booth hit me because the booth is a joke right now, and it's been a joke. It's not a two man booth to me. Okay, I loved Gruden. Gruden had nobody to work with in that booth. He was excellent, but you know, Sean McDonough, an absolute charisma vacuum, doesn't have a big game voice. Whoever the hell else, Mike Tarico, another charisma vacuum. Not that I don't like Mike Tarico's body of work, I just don't, didn't think he was the right fit for Monday Night Football. I want to see them get back to the three-man booth. And I thought of the perfect booth for them that would be realistic, fiscally responsible, and entertaining as all hell. So you Okay. Number one, to when you make news, part of making news is there's got to be some splash factor involved. Absolutely. You bring Chris Berman out of retirement, mm. and you put him in the booth. Not as the play-by-play guy. As almost like the Dennis Miller now. Okay. Okay. So you have Berman. Then you put in, here's a wild, now the wild card factor. Mel Kuyper. Wow. Great voice has a cool look to him, well-respected in football, can translate that draft knowledge into the league, bring that to the booth. The guy certainly knows football. He knows NFL football. He's been around the NFL for decades now. And then you bring in for play-by-play. I think the guy does an excellent job, and he's already an ESPN employee, Chris Fowler.
4: I love Fowler.
3: Love Fowler. Love the only part of ESPN I love is like their college football crew. I like Herbie. I like Corso. Fowler. Uh, I leave like Desmond Howard, and they got a few other guys that'll uh, David Pollock. They'll talk. Mm-hmm. Co- I like
4: love college game day.
3: Love college game day. It's probably the best thing ESPN has.
4: Absolutely left. at this point.
3: At this point, Chris Fowler is a big game voice. He does. Phenomenal with those national championships and those big BCS games. He's young. He's already at ESPN. Really, I mean, he could still do college work if he wanted to. He could do both. It's yeah. not like some insane concept. Day in between? Yeah, I mean, why not? That three-man booth would be simple, an easy transition for those three guys, and it would actually have me interested to watch and listen which they do not have right now and really haven't had in a very long time.
4: I love it. I just got to say, I don't know if Mel Kuyper is a Booth kind of guy. I love the idea. Maybe he's a guy you bring in on the side let that me throw you can this cut one down into.
3: Let me throw this one at you. Okay. He, he, I don't think he would settle for that because that's not a step forward in his career.
4: I think he would need to but because me- he needs the time to do the draft.
3: Yeah, but the season is over well before he can be prepping. Okay, okay. I know he does it all year round, but this is what I wanted to throw at you. Who does, in your opinion, honestly, makes more sense for a Monday Night Football booth? And you probably totally forgot about this. Mel Kuyper or Tony Kornheiser?
4: Well, okay. I agree. Yeah, Kiper. Mel Kiper. Mel Kuyper or
3: Dennis Miller? Sure. Mel Kuyper, right? Yes,
4: but Dennis Miller and Kornheiser are brought in as that guy that really shouldn't be in the booth that they want for his outside opinion, if you will.
3: I'm saying I think Mel Kuyper has done brilliant work. Throw the guy a bone and let him take another step forward in his career where his career has almost
4: plateaued. Definitely plateaued. And that's
3: not fair to Mel because he puts in a lot of work.
4: A plateau just like his hair
3: mel kuiper i really enjoy mike mayock and i really actually do enjoy todd mcshay's breakdown of it the- i think they're the three best with the draft
4: i could see it happening just because kuiper probably is so fed up with mcshay stealing his shtick breaking his rules and, yes and being by L- younger being better looking
3: right so and by giving kuiper a little bit bigger of a role at the company you then let McShay expand his role and get his name more known and recognized.
4: Sure.
3: McShay's been around for a while now doing Mm -hmm. his thing. I I just think that would be a simple booth that would create a cool buzz for a brand and a show now in Monday Night Football that desperately friggin' needs it.
4: It would be much better than what they have. It's a great trio. I'll say that. Very good trio.
3: All right. Now, let me throw this at you guys real quick just so you know in case you didn't read the uh, On the Mark draft preview blog last week Fox for the first time ever is carrying the draft NFL the NFL Twitter account tweeted out a advertisement for the draft and didn't even acknowledge that ESPN has the draft they are so sick of ESPN and how they have demonized the league in more than one way they are looking to separate themselves from ESPN at all costs and gang it's Monday Night Football is only going to be on ESPN for a few more years. Then it is going to be back to a cable network. Maybe ABC uh, gets it again, but even though they have that uh, ESPN affiliation, it would be a a different broadcast type of team. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't see any way NBC carries Monday Night and Sunday Night Football. It would
4: be expensive. It would be
3: expensive as all heck, so maybe CBS.
4: It would make sense, and I'll tell you what, it makes sense – for monday night to be on a different network absolutely than a sports network yeah because it's a show it's a broadcast
3: yes it's a brand in itself
4: different than your normal games yes so it deserves a primetime spot on a primetime network yeah man uh, not it, a garbage network like espn
3: and i thought back in the 90s and early 2000s i thought that Monday Night Football on ABC and Sunday Night Football on ESPN was can't miss. People don't realize the end of Chris Berman and Tom Jackson on NFL Primetime was because Sunday Night Football left uh, ESPN to NBC. And when Sunday Night Football goes to a network, that network also, in the agreement, pays for the rights to the highlights of all the games during Sunday's action. So that primetime was a highlight show
4: and i'll say this i do enjoy football night in america
3: well dan patrick is off of that now
4: i i love dan patrick but yes i know he he left so Dungey and rodney harrison don't do it for me no i agree they're not great i was a big dan patrick guy
3: yeah i like dan patrick and i like dan patrick back in the day at espn but we all know how that's changed and gang let me just tell you why we're calling this the mock mock draft episode the Prognosticators, the Mel the McShays, the Jeremiah's, as good as they are, they, they don't nail the these picks in a high percentile uh, by any means. So they're studying this thing nonstop, and they're still wrong. Like our local weathermen are usually wrong. Uh, it's a very funny uh, process, the draft. There's a lot at stake, and there's a lot of elements that go into these picks and -hmm. there's a ton of things benny right as you know that kept that that are kept behind the curtain absolutely so this is the mock mock draft because if we tried to give you a super serious thing here there's no way it can hit so we're trying to go off the board we're trying to do some things to pique some interest get some laughs see what happens
4: yeah absolutely Ben. because you can see these serious mock draft publications all over the board you can find a million online espn's constantly playing them nfl network's constantly playing them but guess what guys if you tally todd mcshay mel kuiper and mike mayock's final mock drafts from last year guess how many combined picks they had right 69 percent 10 10 total picks marky and let me tell you six of them were accounted by correct picks on Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey by all three guys. 60% of them were two picks.
3: Yikes. Yeah, that's not pretty, man. That's worse than the Weathermen.
4: Yeah, it's worse than us.
3: Yeah, seriously. We we went on a run last year on our mock of getting several right. And we count on doing it again. Why not? Because when you, when you say, hey, let's not over-evaluate this. Let's just look at it. Have some fun with it. It's like when you're up to bat, you don't want to grip the bat too hard. Exactly. When you're swinging a golf club, same thing. You don't want to be tense. You want your muscles loosey goosey. Yeah,
4: it's like when he's, uh, Gordon Pompey's teaching the Mighty Ducks how to hold a puck, how to yeah. hold their stick and hand all puck. He's like yes. an egg.
3: Yes, yes, yes. That's or
4: like uh, Kevin Costner in Bull Durham, you hold it like an egg. In Little Giants,
3: when uh, he was using the toilet paper to yes. uh, throwing the toilet paper. Yes. To, you know whatever there's a lot of different uh you know analogies comparisons we can make you gotta use a soft touch you do and that's what we're bringing to the mock draft here we're not bringing the super serious thing but i promise you guys there is some very real football talk on this episode too and some very real insight from some very legitimate tied in people
4: a lot more insight and a lot more legitimate people than we've been watching on nfl network all night marky oh my god it is gang if you haven't realized nfl network
3: is an absolute joke it's a bunch of like ex players players at the end of their career players trying to transition into media just like on stage dressed like weirdos none of them sounding good none of them sound right they're talking stupid it just doesn't it doesn't equate to good theater for a football fan I like intellectual football conversation. There's very few guys anymore that offer that, and very few ex-players offer intellectual football conversation. Some do, but many don't. Um, you know, Mike Mayock is an ex-guy, ex-player who brings a, you know, a level of uh, expertise to the discussion. Um, and, and you know, there's other guys where I actually do believe it or not. I kind of like hearing Ray Lewis talk football um absolutely Ray's he, a very smart guy he is and you know say what you will about his background we're not talking about that right now no I'm just saying when he's talking x's and O's and talking football I listen when he talks um but you know uh the guys that are marching out on this stage at the NFL network are just it's it, it's it's a total joke nobody has any type of time for that so gang sit back relax enjoy the the on-the-mark mock-mock draft. You're going to get a good dosage of everything. The NFL draft is now open for business. Benny, get us to break, and when we get back, we got 97.5, the fanatic talk show host, morning talk show host, that is, Anthony Gargano, on the mark, giving the Browns first overall selection. All right, VIP listeners. To kick off this mock draft episode, we got our man 97.5, the fanatic morning talk show host Anthony Gargano, joining us. And we're glad to have you back on the show, man. How's everything?
5: Everything's great, brother. You know, you know, I love you on the mark.
3: Uh, that's right.
5: Fan of the of the podcast <laughs> and all the great stuff you guys do.
3: Are you excited for this draft, Ant?
5: Yeah, yeah. You know, I have to admit though, the Sixers run. Has, I don't want to say dampened, but has lessened my usual like freakish enthusiasm over it. I mean, usually, I can't wait, right? I'm going to get out of your skin. Oh my God, the draft. I think of myself as a Fugazi personnel guy. Like, you know, there was always a wish that somehow it would be discovered. Right. I think, like all of us, like that's one of these, you know, one of these NFL guys, Sandy Reeves, somebody who said, Hey, cause you should come work for us in the personnel department. Of course, that never happened, and I was delusional to think
3: it it ever would. <laughs> well, no, you're not delusional. Mike Mayock was offered GM jobs. Uh, Podesta from the Mets got a job with the Browns.
5: That's right. You know, That's so I...
3: weirder things have happened, Ant.
5: That's true, but you know, this is what it is, right, brother? And but I gotta tell you, like, all kid aside but the Sixers, I
3: can't get enough of. It. I they're like, the most lovable play. team in all of sports. They are yes! so lovable. Yeah. It's unreal. yeah. Yes. Uh the, and I love what they've done with this logo with the snakes on the the snake on the liberty bell. Uh, I love uh, the, I love their uniforms. I just love the makeup of the roster. It has been tremendous. I think they end the series uh Tuesday night against the Heat, I think it's one of those games where it's really not even close kind of thing. I agree.
5: I'm, I'm with you. It's closeout time tomorrow at Wells Fargo. Absolutely. They, look, they thugged it out both games in Miami, and they couldn't win. And let's face it, right? The Sixers had no business winning game four. They committed 27 turnovers. And they were 7 for 31 from 3. And they were down 12 at the end of the third quarter.
3: That's how good they are, that they can overcome all of that and still win almost convincingly in the end. Yeah, it's amazing. We've never seen anything like it, never. Great teams, Ant, I always say this, great teams stretch the fans' imagination. The Sixers, to me, they, they're they constantly stretching my imagination. I see, I really feel it in my bones. There's a vibe, like the Eagles had a vibe that they're going to the finals at the least.
5: Well, that's that's beautiful. That's well said. Do you agree? well said. I completely agree. I do. I agree. And I love how you phrased it. Great teams stretch the imagination of their fans. I think that's brilliant.
3: And here's the thing. The Celtics matchup would be interesting. Very interesting. But... Then you know you, you I, I'm more scared of the Celtics than I am LeBron, if that makes any sense. I, you know
5: what? I, you know it's interesting. I, 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 the team I still fear the most is Toronto.
3: Okay, so we're all over, we're Washington. all over to play. <laughs> right.
5: But I know they won't play like the Washington, but uh, I'm still I'm still fearful than the most.
3: Okay, okay. Now, do you think realistically, the Sixers can do this? I know I'm always asking you for I I, I
5: I do. I do. I really do.
3: All right. So it's just not us talking silly. And uh, no, 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 no.
5: This is what you. We watch how good they are. I mean, this is they are really good. This like walk in the side. They're really, really good.
3: Yeah. No question about it. Will you be there uh, at uh, Game uh, Five? Yes.
5: Yes, I will. Yeah, I will.
3: Very nice. Yeah, it's,
5: going be, it's going to be awesome. It really is.
3: Absolutely. Now, what's your uh, game plan for the draft? Yeah,
5: uh, draft, I'll be with uh, Coach stags who's now um, a free agent. Okay. So, Coach Staggs and I get together for the draft. In fact, he's going to be on the program tomorrow.
3: Very nice. Very nice. Is he looking to get back in the league sooner than later? Or is he content? Yeah,
5: he's going to take one year off and then get back in the league. Get back in He's not done coaching. He said he, he loves. He loves it it's in his blood. It was funny. We had a great conversation today about. But he, he's they're used. These coaches remember, especially around draft time, they're used to being in their offices, going to a film and living in their offices for like 15 hours a day. There's a the complex, 15 hours a day, right? So they eat there. They have a cold. They go get medicine from there. Like, like you name it. Life takes place in the couples, the only people they see. So he was like, I can't get to the point with a doctor. And he was used to just going to the trainer, they had the doctor come in. It's little things like that, slice of life, that these football guys are so sheltered from the outside world.
3: It's almost like a military lifestyle. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I, you know, I'd love to see him obviously get back in the league on the mark. Uh, we'll name him the Italian of the week. As soon as he gets hired. Wherever he gets hired, he'll be our Italian. <laughs> he'll be our Italian of the week. Uh, now, for mock draft purposes, we have a bunch of different callers. We're calling it the South Philly mock draft. We got guys from all over telling us or predicting for us rather who, you know, these teams are gonna take. We gave you the number one overall pick and the number four overall pick with the Browns. Where do you see them going? What are you hearing?
5: All right, well, I think the number one pick, they're going to go Saquon Barkley. I, I think.
3: All right, there it yeah. is, the first overall pick in the on-the-mark, mock-mock draft. Cleveland Browns select Saquon Barkley. Because
5: I would heard Nelson at one point, and look, he's a great player. I mean, he really is. But I don't think if you're the Browns that you can pass up, because you get your quarterback of four, and I don't think you can pass up Saquon.
3: Yeah, I mean he checks off all the boxes. In game performance through the roof, weight rooms yeah. through the roof. His uh, he's obsessed with football. He's a, a great kid. He's a specimen, man. I I think he's the most sure shot in the draft. And then at four, the, I'm assuming you're thinking they're gonna just select whatever quarterbacks left out of the crew.
5: Yeah, I think they go. Well, I think I think the Jets go Baker Mayfield and. I think
3: they go Donald. Okay, and that makes total sense because Hugh Jackson loves his USC quarterbacks: Cody Kessler, Carson Palmer. Of course, Hugh Jackson went to USC. Uh, he, yeah. He is a, there is a connection there. He is obsessed with uh, USC quarterbacks. I mean that would be that would be a nice scenario for the Browns. So, all right, the on the mark mo- uh, mock draft: the Browns are taking Sam Darnold with the fourth overall pick. I, see, like, I, like, I like it. I like. I think it's a huge win for them. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I'm and curious
5: to see who you have taking the last pick of the draft. With that the of course being the
3: Eagles. Eagles. Yes. You know, I've seen. Uh, you know, a few names. You've seen Sony Michelle or Michael, however you say it. Uh, McGlinchey, who's a hometown guy. I've seen a few names. I mean, when, once you get to the bottom of the first ant, it's tough. Are you hearing anything?
5: Yeah. No. I. I Here's what you guys know, fake weapon for Carson, so I think when you talk about Sonny Michelle, uh, I love Darius Geis. I uh, car- Darius car- Darius.
3: Character concerns, and I heard Mike Mayock say during the process that he no-showed several draft, yeah. uh, pre-draft meetings and whatnot.
5: Yeah, I don't think the Eagles are
3: afraid of that. No, they're not. They're certainly not. I like Geis too. I mean, I, I love LSU, so I'm a little partial uh, he's a beast, man. He is an absolute beast. He would be a tremendous uh, addition for that offense, especially because, what, this is a Jai's last year on contract. Yes. So and that's, you know who they like? like
5: you know who they like? And uh, I don't know how people are going to take this because of what happened in the fifth round last year. But Rashad Penny, I think they like a lot. Okay. Because of the San Diego State running back. Yeah. So Rashad Penny is a guy that can return kicks. He can catch the ball. I think he can do a lot. So keep your eye out on him as well.
3: Yeah, the fans last year were certainly disappointed with Pumphrey.
6: Yeah, he just looks too small.
3: Yeah, yeah. And and they already had a guy like that in Darren Sproles. It really made no sense.
5: Yeah. I figured they had it over again. That was the only misstep that they made in the draft was they thought that there were going to be more backs available.
3: Yeah. And, you know, getting back to your uh, Geis selection kind of makes sense because Jalen Mills, character concerns, LSU, they took a shot there. Yeah. I've seen Geis in mock drafts, you know, from credible people going top 20. So, you know, if he gets there, why not?
5: I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, you you got, um, I mean, I I think you got a playmaker in. I I think they were going to look at playmakers to surround Carson. Uh, I that's my that's my guess early
3: yeah, yeah. And what do you think about the uh, tight end from uh Penn State uh Geslecki yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't I can't say that name to save my life I've been trying no, it,
5: he's, he's terrific No, he really is he's a terrific player and his yeah.
3: me- his measurables uh were th- were tremendous
5: No I like him I I like the tight ends are good there's a kid from South Dakota state yeah, I've seen. Dallas, but, yeah, yeah, Cutter is is pretty good too. Watch, watch for that kid. Um, and then I think Hayden Hurst from South Carolina is pretty good too.
3: hmm That's a deep draft at a lot of different positions. Yeah,
5: the second round, yeah, it is. And yeah, you know, look, the Eagles are in a perfect scenario We're in the perfect situation where you know you're just drafting you know best overall need.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the roster is uh, viewed as a loaded roster for the most part.
5: I mean, imagine this. Imagine that they win the Super Bowl and they come back with Carson Wentz, a driven Carson Wentz.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's unreal. It really is. Uh, I still can't get my finger on uh, Wentz's ETA. Like, you know, it was a year-long injury, they said, but... It, it's a sure shot that he's going to play at some point next year. I just don't know when. I think he's on point.
5: I think he's going to wind up being. You'd be surprised. I, knowing him and just hearing from him, I think he, I, I think he'll be ready for the start of the season. Really? Wow! I
3: do. Would you really consider do. that rushing him? No, I don't. Listen,
5: it's all about what he feels. How he feels, right? You know, sure. I mean, it's all about how he feels. How he looks. He's going to have to pass certain uh, litmus test, right? So, you know, when it comes to movement, I mean, I, I, but I think he's going to be fine. I, I mean, I'm not going to rush him. I mean, let's, let's face it. What's the difference between week one and week four? You know, Super Bowls aren't one in week four. That's right. So, uh, you know, again, if he's not ready, he's not ready. But I have a feeling he's going to be ready.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, and it was kind of cool what he said the other week in that press conference about... You know, not that he was jealous, but you know, there were there was a there was a level of emotion seeing Foles win it and it wasn't him playing, out there playing. Uh I like, I mean, I thought you that was like awesome. He, I thought his yeah. frankness yes. was
5: was beautiful. Yes. I, I respect it. I really do. I respect it.
3: Me too. Me too. He he's another guy, he checks all the boxes. He's exactly what you want. Now when they drafted him, Ant, were you uh, a golf guy, or were you a Wentz guy?
5: No, uh, no, I'm on the record. I'm a big Wentz guy.
3: Okay, okay. For me, I I was Hopefully at. A, I can go back to the tape.
2: <laughs> yeah, no,
3: yeah, of course. It can be proven for sure. I didn't know, man. the the whole The whole school thing, the small school thing for a quarterback, freaked me out big time. But I was proven not not that I was you know outspoken about it. But, you know, Wentz certainly put that whole thing to rest, certainly clearing the waves for Allen uh, in this year's draft.
5: Yeah, I, you know, I, and I, I, I'm with you. Um, I just fell in love with you. I, I knew a lot about him. I are a lot of intel, you know, real close to those guys. And Jaws went out to see him. And, you know, I kind of, I, kinda, I was, was, I loved, um, I talked to him. And we did an interview, and, kind of fell in love with him. He was like really smart. I, I'm going to tell you something. If I'm going to bet on a quarterback, now assuming that they're all in the same ballpark when it comes to measurables, right? Size, arm strength, and that sort of thing. I, I, I got to take the smartest one. It's always going to be about intelligence for me.
2: Yeah,
3: it's a so cerebral game. He's
5: so smart. He's so smart. So, you know, with, with intellect, is it, it's funny because it, I, I rated really, really high. Not, and not just quarterback, and not just, you know, overall, I mean, you know what's funny? You know, Alan Bean is a incredibly intelligent guy. Oh, hell yeah. Really, really intelligent guy. You can tell just by social media game how clever he is and all that. Oh, things. my God, yeah. But his mind, and it's what makes, it's what helps makes him great. Because he can mimic... You know, whether it's Elijuan or James Harden. Like what, he it's, said it's he behind.
3: he's on record yeah. as saying he learned how to shoot from watching white guys shoot threes. That's how he learned his form. Yeah. You know, it's funny, now I'm yeah. thinking, it's like Embiid, I, I do think he's like a comedic genius. It's almost like when uh, Jake Lamada stopped boxing, he tried to become a stand-up comedian. Ray, we all know the movie Raging Bull, of course. It, maybe when Embiid's done winning titles and MVPs, uh, in the NBA, maybe he'll go and be a successful stand-up comedian or actor. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I mean, and I know we're bouncing back and forth between Sixers and draft here. and I don't mind that; it's two great topics. I think Ben Simmons is an absolute stud, and I think Embiid is right there with him. Like I already think they're both like top ten in the league.
5: I know. I, I it's unbelievable. It's unbe- <laughs> it really is. So true. It's it's amazing. I mean, I, I his, my, think about this too about Embiid. He speaks several different languages, right? You know, I mean, like the, the guy is man. I, he's new to the. I mean, he just picked up a basketball. When he's sixteen years old. I mean, it's amazing how little the game he played.
7: It it is.
3: It, it's mind blowing. It, it, and and then they pair it. Okay with the perfect demeanor. I mean, you know, the heat were trying to play that uh street rules out there, really banging them around, really talking trash, getting physical, and Ben Simmons had the stone face, calm cool collective. And the same thing. Uh, you know, I just I love their demeanor. Their talent level is uh in my opinion borderline unmatched even this early in their careers. It's it's one of the most special things I've I've seen in a very long time.
5: Well, you know what's amazing? The Heat had to play it like that. They had to fuck it up. It's only way they can play, right? Right, right. Because they're outmanned Mm talent-wise. And I love the grit that they show. I mean, Ben, that Australian inner
3: toughness. Yes, yes. I mean,
5: that incredible um, inner toughness is amazing.
3: I mean, it truly is. Came out totally unfazed through all that. Uh, The Heat, uh, like you said, they knew they were outmanned. Uh, they knew they were outmatched, and like we had said earlier, I think it—you know—it ends Tuesday night at Wells Fargo. I, I'm with you,
5: man. I
3: think it's closeout, baby. No question. It's now closed, it's closeout. Now, Ant, I know you got the crabs and macaroni cooking. I know you're ready to eat. I'm gonna leave you just with one last question. Uh, a, yeah. okay, a, a lightning bolt kind of guy. Uh, a guy who's. You know, had some controversial news about him, but I really dig the kid, big time. Baker Mayfield. What are your I thoughts on too. Baker? I do too.
5: I love him. I, I don't know what it, what it what it is. I think he's going to be terrific. I think he's tough. I think he's. I think people. I think team, teammates respond to him. I think they'll play for him. I think your instincts are dead right.
3: Okay. Now let me ask you a question. Is he the type of guy, number one, we know he's, he's fell victim to this manziel stereotype going around. They're both from the same area of Texas. Uh, they were both polarizing college quarterbacks, slightly undersized and whatnot. But I just think Mayfield blows him away. But do you think Mayfield's career trajectory is going to be dependent on which organization he lands with?
5: Yeah, I do. I, I think it's all about whether or not he gets to the right place, whether or not he gets to the right system, right coaches. Um, I think he's a good kid. I don't think he's, uh, I think it's unfair to give him the Manziel label. I think Giant Manziel has really, has real issues. Yeah. I don't think Baker Mayfield has any of those issues. Right. Yeah. I, I think he's a good, cocky kid. I got no problem with my quarterback being cocky. Yep. And I think he's tough. I, I, I do. It's funny, um, you know, uh, who agrees with you is Brian Baldinger. Baldy. Baldi. <laughs> yeah, Baldy. Yeah. Oh, Baldy, Benny! So, <laughs> Baldy did a lot of Big 12 games, and his uh, he was down there all the time. He loves Baker Mayfield, since Baker Mayfield
3: is number one quarterback. Wow. Wow. I mean, uh, he, he's accurate. I love the mechanics. Uh, I love how he can extend the play, and... He's a type of guy, to me, major chip-on-his-shoulder guy, but a, a football junkie, and that's a, a perfect storm for almost like that Tom Brady level of competitiveness. By no means am I comparing them, but I'm just saying, if you have that level of competit- competitiveness in you, that level of fight, that can lead to a lot of good things. Yeah, you know, I,
5: I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, you know, it's funny, the only thing is, and it's real, besides... I mean, it's a real thing. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a death knell by any such stretch, stretch. But you know, I, I'm staring at him, and I'm staring at Darnold, and I'm going, "Hmm." It's interesting because I think all these quarterbacks. Um, I, I mean, I like Rosen too. I think Rosen's smart. Yeah, I think he he's a smart guy. It's funny these quarterbacks are really, really. It's really, really interesting. And then you know, some teams like I was talking. To someone uh, who really likes Mason Rudolph a lot.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. I I'm, you know, I thought he was a system guy, but you know, I, I'm always a little, little leery of the Big Twelve, only because you know of that system kind of thing. But I, I do think you're right about Baker Mayfield. I think he's a winner. I think I, it's
3: in his soul. Absolutely, I do too. I would love to see him land in like a, a situation like Jacksonville, running game, good coach. GM, real nice roster, nice defense. I think Jacksonville, for him, would be a beautiful fit. Uh, he's just not going to be on the board for them.
5: I agree. I, I It's a shame because I think you're right on. Like, you imagine where he
3: would go if he was there? How perfect that would be for him? Uh, oh, my God. And I think they would be probably... With that big back? Oh, uh, yeah. Fournette, yeah. And I think they would be right back in that AFC Championship game or knocking on uh, the door good. of it. With him as a rookie. I mean, I'm, you know, a little bit of a take there, but it is what it is. I'm, no, I'm, I'm,
5: with, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I'm sure. curious to see, um, you know, what the Jets do, though. I mean, you know, do, do they go Baker Mayfield? Do they go
3: Sam Darnold? Right, well, the ultimate so. Jet pick, man, would be Bradley Chubb. That would be the ultimate pick. They love taking defensive players, top 10. Uh You've
5: got to get your quarterback. I mean,
3: no, I know, I know. I got you know, so many. Gotta, it's like, it's like
5: you know. You look at the, you look at. I mean, you know, if I'm the Giants, I mean, I, I got to think. I'll be honest with you. If I'm if I'm the Giants, I, I go quarterback.
2: I
3: because, do too. I was saying
5: why, that when we I started gonna, the show. Yeah. Why do I be drafted second
3: again? I actually think you know how the Giants are looked at as like a high class uppity organization. I almost feel like Rosen fits that whole mold. I could say it. You know, and yeah. and then, uh, you know, the Jets have been known to take a USC quarterback. Maybe the Jets end up with Darnold. It could go so many which ways. And that, that, <laughs> that's, what, that's what makes it fun. I, I like how you refer to the Jets as the cousins of the Eagles. I tell my friends in New York that you say that. <laughs> I think that's like a good, fair reference. It
5: is. I think they're very similar. Eagles have been historically better. However, I think the fans, I think the fans are very... It's Queens, it's Brooklyn, it's the Barrow, I like. Yeah. I've the, the Gi- I, I spent a lot of time up there. And the Giants were always Connecticut, Manhattan, right. North Jersey. Right. You know, the Regal, the Regal yes. while the Jets were more of the Long Island, Brooklyn.
3: Blue Collar.
5: Staten Island, yeah, more, more, more the Barrows.
3: No question. Well, all right, Aunt. we always love having you on the mark. We appreciate you. Go enjoy those uh, that crab and macaroni dish.
5: And I love hanging with you guys. You know that. You of, guys are the best.
3: Of course, and We'll of talk later in the week, man. You got it, buddy. All right. you, pal. Later. And now the draft is moving on, folks, with the number two overall pick. We have the New York Giants on the clock. Joining us is on the mark Giants insider down in Dallas, Texas. The great Michael Pesh. Saquon Barkley is off the board. He went as a somewhat of a shock at number one what are you hearing you're you are in tune with the Giants you're yeah. in tune with that program that organization where do you see them going at two if those guys are off the board
8: hey guys thanks for having me appreciate the kind words I'm in tune with the organization but the last time I was on the show a year ago I said the Giants were a left tackle away from being a Super Bowl contender here we are picking at number two overall a year later and there are more needs to be had even though they finally addressed the left tackle position after probably about five years so unfortunately I think that the guy that the Giants front office is targeting obviously Saquon Barkley is off the board for me Uh, and when you look at a lot really listening to what Gettleman says uh, and what uh, the Mara organization. Uh, gosh, there was a cop that, Can we start over? There was a cop that just. Moved by.
3: <laughs> Mike's been arrested in Dallas, Texas. Folks, we're <laughs> gonna stage a sit-in now and protest this tragic event. So the Mara family is in is intrigued with who Mike.
8: The, the Mara family absolutely loves Bradley Chubb as well. Okay. Uh, so you know, having a pass rush. Uh, someone that they could really build around after the, the departure of JPP. It's it's the identity of the Giants.
3: Yep, Strahan, you know, JPP, Lawrence Taylor, Carl Banks. A little bit of a change
8: because obviously they're going to be doing a lot more of a 3-4 look this season. Uh, I think they believe that Chubb can contribute in a lot of different ways. Uh, again, though, I think that you know they would look at a trade if they don't have the ability to draft, sleep from Barkley because quarterbacks they really do believe just based on the quotes, that Eli is going to be the short-term answer despite his age uh, he did have a good statistical season last year so it's yeah. tough to uh, it's tough to discount what he was able to do with a skeleton crew group of wide receivers and and really a banged up offensive line and no talent whatsoever in the backfield
3: so and this is where I'm going to leave you on that the, we the, we know the Mannings have their strong ties to the media. Where if they have if they reach out to a few journalists and say, "Hey, write a spin piece, get in these people on the side of Eli, uh, make that happen," they will make it happen. The writers. Um, my thing is this: that was a nice uh, moral victory season for Eli Manning, but you know we're not in it, We're not in big business for moral victories. We need results. The Giants, I thought, were uh, a, a team that had a chance to be very good last year. They were not. wasn't yeah. necessarily because of Eli. But at the end of the day, he is an aging quarterback. Very much so. Very much so. They need to fill that uh, void. They need to get a guy that they can develop. Uh like sooner rather than later. They're in prime time position in a prime quarterback draft to get one of these guys. And I I can't see the opportunity on passing on missing that opportunity and passing on that. It would boggle my mind.
7: It's the truth.
8: Darnell is 19 years old, which you're not going to win now with for sure.
3: Right. Um, But you know, I'm not even one to critique what direction you want to go. They have the background stories. They have the inside info. They have the firsthand uh, workouts, interviews, pro days, what have you. I just don't know how you don't grab one of these quarterbacks. We'll see what happens. Now, yeah. uh, spin zone on your pick, Belichick. Time in New England really feels cryptic, feels like it's coming to an end. Everybody knows his dream job is the Giants go out maybe with the Giants. He obsessed, like man-crushed, obsessed over Bradley Chubb at his pro day. So maybe that's Belichick's future Lawrence Taylor kind of guy. Richard Seymour, whoever he compares to, you know, kind of guy, you you know, might be the Belichick pick here
8: absolutely could be and it's you know when you look at a guy like chubb who can come in and play right away it's you're going to develop a quarterback they're not going to play week one so right away that's a, that's one of the guys in the field that um it's going to be on the bench so this team really believes they can win right now and if barkley's not there uh it's depicts chubb do you
3: believe as a fan they can win right now
8: <laughs> uh after last year no <laughs> okay um, that's that's a tough turnaround. It so, is
3: with a know, with a head coach Odell. with a head coach that doesn't necessarily create a fire under a fan base. Not saying right. he won't succeed. He's not exactly the most exciting, sexy hire of all time by any means.
8: No, it's the truth. But you know <laughs> what? Tom, Tom Coughlin wasn't either, and that's just the giant kind of way they yeah. like boring. Yeah. They like slow. They like pass rush and. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what the uh, the aging Eli Manning can do. Giant fans obviously want him under <laughs> underneath center after the reaction that clueless McAdoo uh, yep <laughs> benching him last year.
3: Yep, Bradley Chubb, a giant. And now with the number three overall pick in the on the mark mock mock draft, we have Jets insider Jay Vosberg up in Florham Park, New Jersey. One Jets drive, going into detail on who he thinks the Jets are going to take with the pick. Jay, what do you got for us, man?
1: Mark and Benny, happy to be on here. With the third pick for the Jets, I'm taking uh, Benny's guy, UCLA quarterback Josh Rosen. Uh, This comes down for me between Rosen and Mayfield. I think Rosen's the better, pure passer. I think he's a Jets guy. I think there's more of a ceiling, less of a floor with him. I think he'll be, uh, he's a safer pick at three. And personally, I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. So with the third pick, I think the Jets are going all in on Rosen. And uh, I think they're going to like what they see from him. So he's my guy at three. Benny, I know he's your guy. So that's my pick with the third pick. And, uh, Again, I think it comes down to him or Mayfield and I like uh I like Rosen's upside just a little bit more than Mayfield. So, I'm All going right. Josh Rosen.
3: And you know, it feels like a fit from one big, you know, from one big city on the West Coast to the other big city on the East Coast. LA, you know, has its fanfare, LA has its coverage. Certainly New York does too. Uh that probably is something that they like. It's not like they're bringing in a small town guy. Uh He's a he's a coin toss to me, man. He's a total coin toss kind of guy. He did nothing in college that overly impressed you besides his skill set. You know, the UCLA program uh truly underwhelmed.
1: Yeah, they did. I think he's a little bit of a weirdo. I think that's gonna scare some people off, but I think from pure talent perspective, um, you know, he was the number one recruit coming out of high school. I think he's uh Got the size, got the arm, got the mechanics. I think he's a smooth thrower. Um, I think, again, I think his floor is – his floor as a starting quarterback I think is higher than Mayfield's. Uh, I do like the swagger Mayfield has. I know a lot of Jet fans want Mayfield, but I think Rosen's ability is upside, his, uh, his overall. Everything he brings I think is a little bit better than Mayfield. So I think he's a safer pick. Coming from L.A. to New York, I think he'll be able to handle the big stage. He's clearly outspoken. I think he's a good fit for the Jets, and I think he's the guy they uh, they made the trade-up for.
3: Okay, yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked. We know it's going to be a quarterback-happy top 10. It's going to be a quarterback-happy first round. Um, the Jets certainly need a guy. As a Jets fan, because not only are you are on the mark, Jets insider, but you're a diehard Jets fan. No fan bigger than you. Uh, yep. I know that from personal experience. As a fan... Do you trust Bowles with Rosen?
1: I don't, but um, again, I think I think Rosen's a safer pick. Again, I'm bringing this down to Mayfield and Rosen. I think the Mayfield stuff is a little too outrageous. I think it could blow up in their face, and I think it could be, you know, this is a big year for Bowles um, no matter what they do with this pick. He's a defensive guy. Um, I think the long-term future of the team is probably going to be, you know, tied to this quarterback for sure. And I think they're going to need an offensive mind there. So I don't have the full support of Bowles. Um, I think he's ex- insanely average at best coach. But, um, yeah, I don't know if he's the right guy to develop this quarterback. But for year one at least, I think they're going to try to avoid the uh, the egg on their face here with Mayfield because, again, he could be the butt of a lot of jokes with, uh, you know, he's boom or bust and the Jets are – Clearly, more bust than boom when it comes to the draft. So, I think they're going to go Rosen, and I don't know if balls is the guy, but, uh, would you, you, know, hopefully, would
3: you cringe at a Josh Allen pick there?
1: Uh, yeah, he's, he's the one guy I would stay far away from. I think Darnold, in Mayfield, I think any one of those three would be a, would be a good pick for them. Uh, but with Darnold off the board here and, uh, Again, between Rosen and Mayfield, I think he's slightly safer. But Josh Allen's a guy I would just stay really far away from if I was was making the pick.
3: It's funny because there's been really no talks of the Jets trading down or anything like that. Uh, They do have holes to fill. Um, Is there no shot that they take a Chubb or a... You know, a weird, crazy type of thing where they heard that Belichick likes Lamar Jackson, and they take uh, Lamar
2: Jackson. Yeah, yeah, they they take him
1: three. They panic and take (laughs) him three.
2: Exactly. No,
1: they they traded they traded two, uh, you know, early second round picks plus a second round pick next year, which will probably be an early second round pick. So to trade three premium picks to get to the number three spot, I think it's definitely uh, all in on the quarterback. Right. Um, I think they made this trade. I think they loved Mayfield at the time they made the trade, and then they kind of let the chips fall. Um, so I think, again, everything I'm hearing is they got Mayfield, Darnold and Rosen all kind of in that same grouping, same grade, and they'll let it play out. Um, it's definitely quarterback or bust here, though, for the Jets. I can't see any. Even with the Jets' wackiness, I can't see any scenario where they don't take a quarterback here.
3: What was your favorite Jets Draft Day moment? Kyle Brady, Vernon Golston, (laughs) what was the best for you? You were too young for the Ken O'Brien.
1: Yeah, too young for Ken O'Brien. The coolest Jets Draft Day was when they had the four first-rounders, when they got Sean Ellis, John Abraham, Chad Pennington, and they topped it off with Anthony Beck, who was a pretty cool tight end. Yeah, that was can't miss. I
3: was just talking to him on Instagram.
1: Wasn't overly productive, wasn't even really good, but he was just a cool, like, end of the first round guy. Yeah, he was in
3: the league for like a decade plus.
1: Yeah, classic Bill Parcells tight end. Um, I
3: weirdly uh, hooked up with his cousin.
1: Yeah, that was my that was by far my favorite my favorite first round. Um, I mean, you were with me when they drafted Mark Sanchez. That was cool as hell, but yeah, uh, obviously. It didn't pan out, but like in that day, it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, back back when the drafts were still on Saturdays, which yeah. was even cooler.
3: The Dwayne Robertson pick, the defensive tackle from Kentucky.
1: Yeah, traded two first rounders to move up like five <laughs> spots to get him. War, war, war number sixty three, and right from that, they like, knew he was gonna suck from the day he showed up wearing that number.
3: There was a, there's a lot of iconic Jets draft day first round moments, man. A ton of them.
1: Yeah. Dude, they're the joke of the draft every year. So back to your point, it wouldn't shock me if they did something completely outrageous with the third pick. Right,
3: right. And here's the thing. It's not like, you know, that's why we have such a tight bond because the Raiders aren't far off of that either.
1: And we both, you know, both of our teams, I mean, you've seen more success than me but both of our teams are typically below average. So the draft is like this big day of hope for us to really turn it around. And,
2: exactly. you know,
1: it's, it's always cool in the moment, but they always end up sucking. And it's always, you know, we're always looking at mock drafts in like November of the, the same year.
3: Uh uh-huh, Exactly. And here's the thing. We had a caller on and he said that he felt like the Eagles and Jets are almost like cousins, cousin franchises, cousin organizations. Do you agree with that?
1: Uh, yeah. Except the Eagles have, you know, had a lot more success. Well, a little bit more success. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it, I, I can see that. There's a lot of, a lot of negativity surrounding them. A lot of, uh, you know, glass half empty kind of uh, outlook from the fan base. Yeah, it makes sense. All
3: right, all right, Jay. That's it. On the mark, Jets Insider Jay Vosberg up in Florham Park. Always appreciate uh, your support with this show, and we uh, pre- certainly appreciate this contribution, Jay.
1: Of course, Benny Mark. Thanks for having me, man. Go Jets.
3: And now, with the number 5 overall pick, the Denver Broncos are on the clock. And for that selection, we have special call-in from Tony Nicky Jr. at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. Tony, Broncos at 5, what do you got for us?
0: Marky, great to be back, man. I gotta say, great to hear your voice. That, uh been a great uh, great couple months out here in vegas and i've really sucked my teeth into this draft call saw a couple great odds good things to uh to take uh in this reality marky at number five the denver broncos i gotta go with josh allen it's actually a guy that i put some money on to go with the number one overall pick i think uh it could be the guy that cleveland takes a shot at here to uh, revive their franchise but in this reality john l white Here's a guy that Elway will love, experience in bad weather, Wyoming kid. A guy that comes in kind of with a chip off his shoulder, community college kid out of high school, went there, and then comes to Wyoming. Hasn't had those big games, but here's a guy with the big arm in the draft, man. I mean, when you look at him in the combine compared to these other guys, when he throws this ball, I mean, this is a rocket coming out, and I know He's had some interceptions. He's sometimes overconfident with the arm. But if there's anybody that's going to love that, I think it's a guy like John Elway. Man, he knows what it takes to win Super Bowls. He, he, this is He's not a sure thing like Elway was out of the draft. But Allen is a guy with more potential than any of these other quarterbacks. Huge arm here. And I think in the end, if he's sitting there at five, I don't see any way that Elway can trade back or not take a chance here. He gets Keenum for a year maybe two years, but Gruden's in the AFC West now. Oakland is going to be good, and you are going to need a quarterback to compete with a, with a Raiders team, even to compete with a Phillip Rivers. And Allen is a guy that if he works out, huge boom or bust, but he, will, he has the chance to be a generational talent with that kind of arm.
3: That would be an interesting uh, thing if, if he did develop into that type of talent having a guy like Josh Allen from Wyoming, Carson Wentz, North Dakota State, you know, some uh, recognition for those type of schools.
0: Absolutely, man. You've got to, like, be a guy with experience of bad weather, too, with Denver.
3: I wonder if Elway gets scared off kind of like the Brock Osweiler oversized quarterback thing.
0: It's interesting, man, but I'll say, I, like I said, I don't know if Allen gets the five. I'm hearing a lot of things out here that he might go number one to cleveland they really like the potential of him and i don't know if people are still getting it but a plus 150 odds is something that you want to fire at but anyway if he's there i don't know how elway doesn't take this kind of potential a guy that could really if 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 this arm works out and if he can start to pick things up here's a guy that can really help you win Super Bowls.
3: yeah the sky's the limit now the indianapolis colts at six they are now on the clock who are you hearing? Who are you thinking they take at six?
0: I mean I, I mean here at six you got a guy, Frank Wright comes in, you know, ran that Eagles offense. And and what did the Eagles offense have? An offensive line that would rotate guys in, even with Peters falling, guys come in. You need that offensive line. And what has been the Colts demise? Andrew Luck gets hurt, he hasn't played a game in two years. Why? This guy was getting through his first couple seasons in the NFL. Who do you go with the most surefire thing in this draft? Quinton Nelson, the guard out of Notre Dame. Just a sure thing. Here's a guy that will, will block great right for the run, open up huge holes. He's, he's, he's huge. Every bit of 6'5", 325 uses that to create huge run lanes, and, and, and he can really help protect Luck's blindside when he comes back. You can't to snort, at...
3: one too many martinis, though.
0: One too many martinis, Marky. There's not a better position to build than the offensive line if you want to really establish a franchise.
3: I'm with you. And many have said Quentin Nelson, the sure shot of the draft, the absolute stud, the tape, the film doesn't lie. Mike Mayock loves him. Ben, uh, now, Benny's not in his head. I think Benny likes the picks. Tone, are there. Any other little tidbits out of Vegas you're hearing in, in terms of prop bets, bets on the first round, bets on the draft in general?
0: Well, it's interesting, man. It, it, it gets expensive when you look at a lot of those draft props because some of those surefire things. I, I'm so intrigued by this Notre Dame total players in the first round sitting at one and a half. To me, that's crazy. You got Quentin Nelson, who's a surefire top ten pick, and McGlinchey, his partner on the on the uh, left side of that line. These guys are – McGlinchey's even looking like he could go into the top 20, and I haven't seen many mocks where he falls out of that first round a little bit raw, but how he does it – how you don't get two Notre Dame players, even if it goes at minus 300, and you pay a little bit extra for it. Um, similar thing in Georgia also, sitting at one and a half, and you got the middle linebacker, you got Win the guards. So it's uh, expensive, but I think you can make some money off of it.
3: Okay, Tone, we appreciate that. We're gonna let this draft take shape a little more. This on the mark mock mock draft. It's gonna to continue to develop. Uh have another martini. And when we get I'm going to, to, to the one Steelers. More, buddy. And then when we get to the Steelers pick at twenty-eight, we are gonna get you back on the line for that pick as well.
0: I can't promise I'm not gonna be slurred by that, but sounds good.
3: All right, here we go. VIP listeners, we now have on the mark blogger a guy who's very tuned into the NFL and all sports frankly big al russo joining us on the mark to give us the bucks pick 7th overall big al what do you got for us
9: marky i am pleased to bring to you the bucks 7th overall pick out of florida state and i have to say this hurts a little bit as a miami hurricane guy myself derwin james the db he's going to bring a lot of firepower to that team they had an off year they were slow they were sluggish they were terrible in the secondary they couldn't do much they're bringing guys in they're trying to make improvements they need a hard hitter what was the biggest part of the jacksonville jaguars success this year is that secondary yeah jalen ramsey out of florida state that swagger that south florida swagger he'll get to stay in he'll get to stay at home that'll be huge for him it's going to be huge for that team just bringing that swagger, everything they need, it's going to be perfect, a perfect fit for everybody.
3: Yeah, he's a really uh, nice player, really nice talent. There's some people have gone as far as to say he's one of the top three talents in the draft.
9: He's, I, I, you know, it's one of those things when you get certain guys that have a certain thing about them, it's the eye test. When you, when you look at your gut and you look at certain guys, you just know. It's like the, we, we have all these quarterbacks right now. We don't know. We don't have a good feeling. But you look at a guy like Derwin James, he can play. He can just flat-out play. Take all the X's and O's out of it. He can just play football. Bingo. And that is the best thing you need when you're drafting somebody. And when you're a team like the Tampa Bay Bucks, who they've struggled, they haven't done much, you got to bring in a guy that can just play football. And he can just play football.
3: No doubt. Okay, Big Al, thank you. You got it. You know, this slot in the draft, Benny, kind of bores me. Uh, six, seven, eight, and 9 in this particular draft. I just find it boring. And I shouldn't because it has a lot of implications for my Raiders at 10. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the teams picking here. I don't know if if it's because of the names being tossed around in this little run. This slot bores me unless a Saquon falls or a Quentin Nelson falls. Uh, do you kind of see what I'm saying there?
4: I totally get what you're saying. Now I I do think that there are still exciting names that are dropping that are interesting to me, even if they go to one of these teams, but you're dealing with two Midwestern teams, a team out in Cali, And a team down in Florida. Yeah. So they're all expanded away from us, and we don't necessarily have a connection to any of these teams to the point that I totally understand. You're looking forward to more important teams.
3: And, look, I kind of dig what the Niners have going on with Shanahan and Garoppolo and even John Lynch as the GM. I kind of like what they have going on but I'm still just a little bored with them.
4: I'll tell you another reason why you're a little bored with this slot is because there's a big name like Baker Mayfield falling down the board, and you yes. wonder how far he's going to fall. But you know the Colts weren't going to go. The yeah, Bucks weren't going to go. None the Bears probably won't go. The Niners definitely won't go. Yeah,
3: none of them will. None really? of them will even
4: consider it. So uh, who knows? So, guys, it's going to be a bit.
3: Yeah, and this is also uh, a potential trade spot. We're not doing trades in this draft. But this is a potential trade spot. It's for, Mel
4: Kuiper rules. Yeah. No trades. Yeah,
3: because we can't, we can't speculate on that really. Uh, it's just not worth our time because there's too many different scenarios that could shake out.
4: Uh, where it's hard enough to mock yeah. the draft as it is.
3: Yeah, gang. I'm gonna be honest with you. This shows a total logistic nightmare. We have callers coming in from all over the world. Uh, we got on the mark insiders going missing not having cell phone reception, being stuck in airplanes. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. You're not going to be able to sleep tonight, putting together this episode. So, you know, we're going to pray for Benny Spielberg. and Pray for the prognosticators. Yeah, we don't need the prayers. You're right. Uh, Number eight, hey, I would love to have uh, Barstool's Big Cat give this pick. He's a Bears fan. He uh, enjoys his Bears football. He knows they stink. I really think they stink. And I think the coach they brought in is going to, be, uh, it's going to be an epic fail. But number eight, the Bears, they're known to play some defense. They haven't done that very well recently. They need help on that side of the ball. Do they need the next Mike Singletary, Brian Urlacher? Yes. But this is a different kind of league. You need to be able to stop the pass. You need man cover, guys. Denzel Ward, Ohio State, an absolute stud. Everybody saw what Lattimore did last year out of Ohio State. The Raiders are still very high on Conley. Uh, Ohio State puts out some good DBs. Denzel Ward fits that mold and fills an immediate need for the Bears.
4: Yeah, since Peanut Tillman got old and now is no longer there.
3: Right, Peanut Tillman's actually in the FBI right now. Little known fact, yes. He is in the training, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. How about that? We don't talk politics on this show, but I don't like that Comey, what he did. That's one of the weirdest things in American history.
4: Well, I'm not for FBI surveillance, man, but I hope he's listening to this.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Perfect. Now, the San Francisco 69ers are on the clock. Benny, who do you got for these Niners?
4: Oh, I love these Niners this year on a side note. These Jimmy G-led Niners, ooh, they're going to be dangerous, but... What's going to make them even more dangerous that's a, is this that's ninth a, pick.
3: That's a fun game, too. Raiders-Niners Monday Night Football in oh, San yeah. Francisco. That's Very a cool exciting. one. Very exciting. That'll be must-see. A rare, good-scripted Monday Night Football game.
4: These Niners are going to be back to the glory days of the 49ers. I promise you that. But a man that's going to help them get there is this ninth pick, Roquan Smith, linebacker, Georgia. Mm-mm-mm. The man's a stud. He's an absolute freak. He's... A day one, not only starter, possible pro bowler on day one. Being linked in comparison
3: to Ray Lewis, and ironically enough, their former great middle, middle linebacker, Patrick Willis, was compared quite often to Ray Lewis. So, he's in that mold.
4: And I loved Patrick Willis, man. He he was always a stud. Sure. He was always a can't-miss playmaker. Mm-hmm. I, I think Roquan's the exact same way, I think, in a normal draft. He's easy top five pick, but because of all these quarterbacks going, a guy like this is going to slip to a 49ers team, and they have just another stud linebacker for the next decade.
3: Yeah, no question about it. And you got to think that they'll be back in the playoffs this year. Roquan's a type of guy, week one starter, uh, immediate help guy.
4: And another X factor of why a guy like Shanahan is going to want to bring him in is – that he's been praised by his head coach for being a tremendous leader and holding himself accountable. And that's what these hard-nosed, bloodline NFL guys want to see. They don't want to see these kids trying to blame other people for stuff. They want to see him be a leader and hold himself accountable for his actions. And they need to be able to trust their guy to be able to hold himself accountable after what they're dealing with right now.
3: He's an explosive player. That's the bottom line. We now have, calling in, Raiders blogger, co-author of Al Davis, Behind the Shield, former Raiders beat writer for the Contra Costa Times, and San Jose Mercury Press, our friend, Steve Corcoran. Cork. we're so glad to have you back on the mark, man. I love your football insight. It's, uh, to me, the best around with the Raiders, snakepit.com. That work is phenomenal. It's You guys are putting out con- Raider content nonstop. It's a must-follow for any true Raiders fan. Uh, must subscribe, rather. Now, what are your thoughts on this draft, Cork? It's an interesting one, especially for the Raiders at 10 and throughout, really.
10: Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's a situation where if they kind of have to wait and see how the draft falls to them but i had a uh, piece that i wrote about a month ago i said if you look at this thing i said they lose a the coin uh, coin toss to the niner so they uh, you know so they lost the right to have the number nine pick i said but in essence i said if you look at this thing i said that they could wind up with like six pick <clears throat> and you say well how is that well because raiders happen to have a quarterback who they like and he's franchise type guy and so if uh, three or four quarterbacks get picked in the top nine, well, then that's the same as if the Raiders pick um, six or seven. So um, so it almost guarantees that they're going to have get their hands on a really good player. But something to keep in mind is that Reggie McKenzie likes his draft picks, and I think they've come to the realization um, you know, that if this team – uh, Talent-wise, was actually closer to the six and ten uh, team we saw last year, as opposed to the twelve and four uh, roster that we had a couple years ago. And so, I think they know that they're a couple years away. And so, it's like, hey, um, we, you know, our best move might be to trade out at a ten and to get a couple picks. If they could get a first round for next year as well. So, um, keep an eye on if that happening, Mark. Do you think
3: they can swing it? I mean, the last yes. trade down was very underwhelming where uh, the dolphins moved up to grab Dion Jordan. I mean, we only collected what the second round pick with the, which they used, I think on uh, Menelik Watson, if I remember correctly. It, that is correct.
10: Yeah. Um, right. It was uh,
3: underwhelming to me.
10: Right. But it, it, but all it means is that, uh, the, it, that's the best that they had at that time. But, uh, all I mean is that they have to listen. Is that they have to be open to it? And it's always difficult because you have to give up on getting a player now, and then you watch a team. Like if they were to trade down to say number seventeen, for just sake of number, well now you watch a team. Say it's Bills. They pulled the trade with, which it isn't a Bills because the Bills have number uh a twelve and. 21 or 22 so anyhow but um 21 uh
3: 12 and 22
10: yeah yeah so then what happens is that you watch a guy like a Ro uh roquan smith go with and say darn man it would have been nice to have him but you have to have patience to say look it's uh i mean there's Nice as it would have been to have a guy like that, that you need more than one guy. And I think that's where the Raiders are at. And as evidence, just look at the roster turnover they've had since Cruden came aboard. So that's him saying that I didn't like the roster that I inherited. And um, so I think this is the next phase of a lot of turnover. And if you think about it, if the Raiders were to hit on all 11 of their picks, that's 20% of the roster that we know right now on the 23rd of April that will be gone yeah. of the 53 man. So, it's, um, so I think this team's in the, uh, you know, is that it, this isn't the year. And I think they're aware of that. So they will have phone line open. And if anyone wants to call an and offer bounty, I think they're going to have to jump at that.
3: Interesting, Cork. I have a little bit higher expectations this year. Um, but we could get into that in a little bit. One of the trade yep. one of the trade scenarios I'm looking at that kind of makes sense to me. Uh there's been reports the Cardinals really like Baker Mayfield. There's been reports the Dolphins and Bills like him as well. The Cardinals are at fifteen, the Dolphins and Bills are right after the Raiders at eleven and twelve. Redskins have reported interest as well. These are all those are four teams right there. well, really three, that could be looking to get in front of the Dolphins to take a quarterback.
10: Right.
2: Mm -hmm. So,
3: uh, yeah, you know, when you really break it down, I guess there will be opportunities. I just hope it's a nice offer.
10: Well, this is the thing. So if you're sitting there at number 10 and three quarterbacks have gone in first nine, now you say that if you get an offer – then you say, look, there's five guys here that we like that we would be happy with at number 10. Now if you drop 14, you go, we're going to get one of those. We're not going to have a pick of those guys, but we're going to get one of them, and we're going to get whatever else that we're able to uh, get for moving back 14, 15, whatever. So that's why I say that if the offer, if you can still get a guy that you would have been happy with at number 10, and you can – you get him at number 14, 15, 18. Um, it, that is the other thing here is that uh, some guy today, I, I think it was Evan Silva, had out a pretty good mock draft, and he was all over the map, but I liked it. Um, is that he had a lot of guys falling, that I was stunned. That it's first time I'd uh, seen him. He's pretty good. And um, and I'm trying to, oh, he had Roquan – Drop to the Chargers number seventeen. Interesting. Imagine that. And yeah. right. And that's the but far farthest I've seen him fall. So he had a couple things like that happen. So the point is, is that if you get a couple teams that pick guys that the Raiders do not have in their top eight to ten, if if they get a couple of those guys to go in the top seven or eight, now it makes it easier to trade down because now there's a bigger pool of guys that you've liked who should be there. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those things, as I said, if they have to watch this thing and, and, uh, they have to be ready to adapt and say, Whoa, this thing is shaking out. Oh, it, it the other guy that I was looking at Mark that I was shocked at Evan had, he had Bradley Chubb, um somewhere in the teams wow and... Who some
3: have said they feel like is the best player in the draft
10: exactly and I don't but I, I uh, don't either
2: yeah I don't either. I
10: don't either and so we can get to that I mean I've got my list that you know if I were the Raiders the guys I would like to uh see and I'm broken down all of the top guys now and feel pretty confident but uh it Chubb is a guy that I don't have a good feel for I don't uh feel great about him I'd He's the kind of player Mark, that I wouldn't mind having, but I also wouldn't mind if another team picked him ahead of me. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. have so I didn't have to make that decision because I'm just not that confident in him. Right. I think
3: for the Raiders, the absolute dream scenario is Saquon Barkley. I think yes. in the in the he would be the Charlie Garner, Cadillac Williams, uh, Michael Pittman on steroids kind of role. Because he's so much more talented than all three of those guys.
10: Yes. Uh, And it it could happen. And it could happen. Um, Is that – wow, I mean, but I looked at it and I said that I could see where a team like the Giants would pass on him because that's another team that has a lot of needs. And and I think when you have a quarterback who you benched last year – and that you know is in his 30s and that has a, a played as long as he has, that you have to look at this and say that if we think any of these quarterbacks is franchise-type guy, we have to pull the trigger now because nothing else matters unless you have a quarterback. So you have to take the quarterback over running back every single time. Totally. So that's, why I, that's why I think that the Giants have got to take a quarterback if they think that any of these guys – Allen Baker Mayfield uh, Rosen or Darnold, if you know if any of those guys, if they think that uh, that player has the ability to be a franchise guy, you have to take him over to Barkley, as hard as it would be.
2: Yeah.
10: And yeah. Um, so if you get a couple of those things to happen, then I can see where Barkley could fall. But uh, is there I don't any way
3: the Niners would pass on Barkley?
10: Um. Not unless there's a player who I think the Ruben Foster thing is a wild card here because uh, John Lynch came out today and said that if they found out that uh, Lynch or not Lynch, if Foster, if, if find out Ruben Foster um, had a woman that he's that he's gone. Yes. So now they might have to go for a linebacker. Now you're looking at Roquan or Tremaine Edmonds. And so that could be another thing, you know, that could change things. But uh, uh, Barkley, I think the only reason that he'd be employed for the Niners at nine is because they let Carlos Hyde go. Right. If they don't have a lead back. So, yeah, um, yeah so I could see them pouncing on him, Yes.
3: So, you know, that's why this whole process is obviously fascinating. So if you had to call it right now for the mock draft purposes, uh, where do you see the Raiders going at 10?
10: Now, my wish list, if I were Raiders, the guy I would like to see fall is Quentin Nelson. Okay. I I think he's clearly the number one. And I don't say that lightly. And it's a guard also. But if you watch tape on that guy... um, he is phenomenal major road
2: grader he's,
10: he's and, and he is a raider oh, yeah. and i and i had an article on that from last night is that when we watch these players is that we can't help but put the uniform of the team that we like or that we cover on a player and you imagine him in a game are you kidding me mm-hmm. i mean that's whiz. i mean that is whiz yeah from 20 years ago sure. and if this is a guy who's going to a mall People And you say, well, they've already got the two highest-paid guards in the league. Whatever. They're both up there. You move Ozamelli out to tackle. And then you move Penn over to the right side. Whatever. Yeah. Now you have four beasts on the line. Penn is five if you want to uh, lump him in there. But the Hudson, Ozamelli, Jackson, Nelson, you have four guys who want to hurt you yeah. every play. Yeah. So now it now it improves the run game. It brings play action into play. How often did the Raiders use the play action from last year? Once? No,
3: it was pathetic, yeah.
10: It was horrible. It was so pathetic. now you've got play action. It makes Carb better. It makes everybody better. And if you have the offense on the field for longer, it keeps the defense off for longer. So one guy like that could have ripple effect. And he's the kind of lineman that you don't see that often very Um,
3: special now are you are you saying that's your dream or are you saying you think he's actually going to be there
10: i don't think he's going to be there that's my uh dream so we'll move on and so the guy that i think has a a decent chance to be there who i'd love to see is minka fitzpatrick oh
3: yeah that would be electric
10: yeah and uh, i think it's a toss-up you know that he will be there um he has no negatives um and he has his defensive backs coach from Alabama, is now with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. That's going to carry a bit of weight. You're talking about a guy, and I did a piece a couple of days ago on him. I uh, got a long time uh, scout to break him down. He said, Look, he goes, You're talking about a guy who can play either corner position, he can play nickel and slot. Both safe spots, whatever you want. Yeah. And now, so, now he, we, yeah.
3: we know the Raiders loaded up in free agency, specifically in that secondary, from safeties the corners. It, as right. t- even today, or Monday rather, they brought in uh, Daryl Worley from the Eagles, who graded right. out nicely uh, on pro football focus with his time with the Panthers. Uh, Panthers defensive line coach, Mike Trigovic is with the Raiders now. So I'm sure he signed off on Worley in terms of character and ability. Uh, and Gruden were on the staff in 95, uh, with the uh, Eagles as well. So they've known each other for a long time. I'm sure Gruden trusts his opinion. Uh, so so you got Worley, Leon Hall, Sharice Wright, uh, Melvin, uh, not to mention Conley back. You still got McDonald yeah. in the mix, uh, and they signed Gilchrist, re-signed Reggie Nelson. It almost, um, it almost yeah, feels it, like you would have to cut a free agent if you draft Fitzpatrick.
10: But with the group that you're with, it, you know that you just rattled off, I could do that with these. If the only guy that moves the needle there for me. As Melvin, yeah. And, yeah, and and now I'm not talking about Conley because he's a guy that first round picked from last year. Let's assume that he's healthy. Then you have Melvin and him, it Conley as the starters, and I'll take that over Sean, yeah, and Smith and, and 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 Amerson and all that. And now you add Minka. Now you've got three guys, and Melvin can play in the, uh, you know, he can play the slot as well. So now you've got versatility. Uh, you've got three good guys, and now it pushes um, right or whoever you want to have as a number four guy. Mm-hmm. It pushes them mm-hmm. from it being on the field a lot to only occasionally to a dime back. Yeah. And um, yeah. so, yeah, I, so I don't think anything that they've done. Well, Worley now. So it pushed Worley down to number four. It, um, But I don't think any of the moves signing Worley has anything to do with Minka is that if he's there – and, um, and if a couple of the other guys are gone, like Nelson and Roquan, I think they pulled the trigger on him in a second.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's special. He really is. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. You notice I didn't say Melon Phan Wu, Wu uh, because I think he's a total bust. I think he could be a guy
10: that Gruden even cuts this training camp. Uh, I could see that. And I've seen a couple guys like him, and he kind of strikes me as a guy that is uh, – and I could, and I could be wrong, but there's been a couple guys over the years. Um, God, there was one guy that came from USC. Taylor um, Mays. No, no, Darnell no, Darnell no, no. Bing. Well, yeah. Darnell Bing. Yes, Bing. Yes, Bing. Pick. Bing. Yeah. God, nailed it. He kind of reminds me of Bing, and that his body is his own worst enemy. Is that he's not prototypical for any position. Yeah. Is that, and so they tried to the corner from last year, and. And of course, that was against the Pats, and he hadn't played. and was in elevation. Right. And, he was I motioning to the sideline,
3: I can't breathe.
10: Which was on the first series, which <laughs> I don't see how a 22-year-old who's had all year to get ready. I mean, if that's in the fourth quarter and you played 70 snaps or something, that's one thing on the first series. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, what yep, did but, but anyhow, I think that's a guy who – that they're going to have to look at him as a – linebacker perhaps safety and they're gonna have to see if they can get something out of him. but he just looks like he's he's probably gonna be a special teamer matchup kind of guy yeah um yeah but i but i think hit the nail on the head right there with him and you know it it takes me back to the late 90s
3: really the early 2000s the raiders had a lot of problems in gruden's secondary and they still found ways to win games and the secondary made plays uh yes you know you know i think the world of gruden uh Papa said the other day, uh, Greg Papa, that everything John Gruden does is state of the art. And I totally agree with that. I see a soft schedule. I love the coaching. I love having Gruden go up against Anthony Linz of the world and the Vance Josephs of the world. I think that's 4-0 right there. And then the rebuilding Chiefs, I see at least five wins right there. Then you got the Browns and the Colts who are probably going to stink. Uh, and that's they, seven right there. I mean,
10: it's a very favorable they,
3: schedule.
10: We think alike. And, and I had a piece on this a couple of months ago when I came on and said, hey, look, I said, it's obvious that, they, that the Chiefs have won the AFC West the past couple of years and that they've been pretty dominant and all that. I said, but if you were to ask me right now, I said the Raiders are favored in the AFC West. It's like, how can you make such a statement easy? because it begins is that where i begin to look is quarterback and head coach yes and you give me gruden and car over whoever else you have philip rivers he's done yep um and anthony lynn we already talked about that Mm -hmm. move on Mm -hmm. reed is good but now you've got a second year quarterback mahomes that's played one game yeah i mean he's promising but We don't know anything about him. Give me Carr, who has uh, played in 62 games, okay? Yes. Um, And then you go to... uh, Case Keenum. Broncos. Uh, Keenum helps them. You know, Mm -hmm. they've moved on from Brock Brock Osweiler and Paxton Lynch and uh, Trevor Simeon. And Mm -hmm. uh, so he's an upgrade. But he's Case Keenum, okay? Yeah. So, um, and then... With their coach as well, so I think the Raiders have a decided edge there, and also they have Khalil Mack, and you know they've got some other guys. They've got uh, the guys in the line that we have talked about. They've yeah. got Amari Cooper, so and, I and, think when you look at it, you know that they have a clear-cut edge on a lot of these. On, but the Chargers are the team to keep an eye on. Sure, is that they counter with they might have the best. Roster in the AFC. Well, you gotta time. like the
3: Bosa and Ingram pass rush, uh, and the exactly. Hayward. Right. How Reggie McKenzie did not sign Hayward from Green Bay, blows right. my mind.
10: Yep, mm-hmm.
3: uh, I'm so. That, e- that
10: is the one that he should have recognized <laughs> exactly. In, yeah. um, but you know, but look I, at his track record with cornerbacks. Um, oh, I mean, it's been he, it's been abysmal.
3: He, Ron Bartel. He
10: has whiffed it every turn. Every Chante year has been a Spencer. new pair. Oh, it just, oh, uh, you just show. it just goes on and on. You go to Carlos Rogers, who was done. Oh yeah. You go to Terrell Brown, who had a little bit left. You yeah. Know, but they were both gone Trace, after a year. Tracy
3: Porter and Mike Jenkins.
10: Right. Every year, it was like, okay, here's. I mean, it was fair. Well, didn't you watch these guys play in the Bay Area? Uh, didn't you watch them when they were with the Niners and? The, Niners made no attempt to bring those guys back because they were done. And I, I, I got to say, Cork, this is me on my hot take stuff, but
3: I'm not shy to do this with the Raiders uh, sure. because I feel so in touch with them. Um, McKenzie, I'm pretty much done with him. Uh, yeah. I'm not a fan. So are the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what it seems like. I yeah. mean, these. Well, sure. These free agent moves don't feel like McKenzie moves. How often was he preaching to us he really doesn't believe in signing a huge crop of free agents? Well, they did the exact opposite of this year. They signed a
10: huge crop. Well, imagine sitting in the office and you're him, and as soon as free agency hit, day after day, your players are getting axed. Gruden bringing in new guys. He's up to about uh, 20 guys, free agents and... uh, and letting a lot of free agents walk it telling condo and all the. but if you look at it and i had a piece on this also i said he's now been here for six years which i'm reggie every single player that he inherited is gone so he has turned over the entire roster not a single player's here right so now what is what is what is the excuse and he's what he's won his uh Record is thirty six and sixty. So that you divide that by six, it's nice and easy. It's six and ten. What? What were they last year? Six and ten. Yep. So so he is a six and ten GM. Right. And what other GM would get six years?
3: It's unheard None. of. It's unheard of in today's league. Yeah.
10: Right, and so and so the excuse at the beginning was, oh my God, he inherited. Look at the salary cap and the roster and the aging guys and Lacking bad contracts. Okay, picks. great.
3: Yeah,
10: right, right, right. And so he got the blank check for a couple of years, and then it was okay. Year three, now, now we've blown up the roster. We got everything in order, and then it's like, okay, well, what's happening now? Right. And then four and five and six. So what's happening now is that it's like, look, you've had enough time. I'm going to bring in Gruden. I'm throwing him 10 large a year, and I'm not paying a guy it, it, that kind of cash to have you make any more decisions. So I don't want to get rid of you because you were my first hire, and it will look bad. We're still in Miller's thing. Here's your new role, and you will answer Gruden, and you guys will play nice. And it's the same thing Gruden did when he was with the Buccaneers. He brought Bruce Allen and said, here is your role. We'll give you the title of GM. But I am the GM. Make no mistake about it. And if there's any issues where someone has to take the heat, you will take the heat. You're getting paid to take the heat and to have the title. But it's my show. Right. And so that's exactly what's happening here. And it's like what you said about the Whirlik signing. That's Gruden. Yes. That is gruden. So that's why you're seeing all these changes. I mean, it's every single one is like, I don't like the roster. You handed me, you know, there's about a dozen players that I like. And I'm systematically, I'm going to get rid of the guys that you've accumulated over the last six years. And here it goes. And so we're in the midst of that. Yep.
3: Absolutely. And I'm, I'm enjoying it and and it's bringing me back. It's It, some moves he's making are reminding me of moves he made, uh, you know, when he first arrived. It was almost like, uh, what was it, that uh, first year in training camp. It was between yeah. Tyrone Wheatley and R- Rasan Salam. And sure. uh, yeah. they both had good training camps and good preseasons. Uh, yeah. Wheatley prevailed. But, you know, bringing in Doug Martin, I think there's a seal. I think there's something that could happen there. It's no sure shot. But there's a chance Doug Martin could have a really nice year for Gruden.
10: Yeah. He could be a nice complimentary player, and that's another guy that's in who could help out Lynch, yes. who could um, if you get it Quentin Nelson type, and you've got the line, and now he's and you got a better the real guy. Ball, he's a you third down back. blocking
3: fullback now.
10: Exactly right. So I get now the only thing that I'll take issue with what you were talking about is that I want to see more than swapping out one guy for the other.
2: Yeah, when you bring in
10: Jordy Nelson, you get rid of Michael. The crab tree, there might be a net gain, but how much? Right. I'm with you. Is there. that what you need to do? I don't care. I don't have a problem with you swapping those guys, but you need to add another guy. Yes. You need to bring in the Des Bryant and say, yeah, here's who and, I want. Right. And you know, no one wants to pay him the 15 large that he was due. You say, hey, look, you don't have a lot of options and you've had four crappy years in a row, or three or whatever it is. We will pay you if you if you do X, we'll pay you Y. If you do B, we'll pay you C. Yeah. And that's another guy that Al would have jumped at, and that's a guy that ought to be wearing a red uniform.
3: I, um, I agree. I,
10: I so, would... so that's the next thing that I want to see is that, I, I mean, you get rid of the cornerbacks, you get rid of Amerson, Carey, Smith, and you bring in Melvin worley Wright keep adding to it yeah and so i think they're still at the swap out phase you get rid of cordero patterson you bring it to Wayne harris yeah. you get rid of condo you'd bring it uh it to paulo yeah from the bears um,
2: highest paid right so it's
10: just right so i just want to see them you know to add and right now it feels like it's a lot of uh swap out kind of, Right,
3: yeah, so... Yeah, no, uh, I'm with you there. I think it's uh, safe to say most most teams have gone into hibernation mode until after the draft in terms of free yes. agents.
10: Um, yes.
3: I, I think they're going to add a receiver somewhere along the lines here. Um, I, I'd be really surprised if they didn't. Um, another thing I have to say, though, almost of the hot take variety, my yeah. patience with Derek Carr is... Uh, growing increasingly uh, smaller and smaller on social media, talking about video games and you know like how spoiled and immature kind of is he? And when I say immature, there's different varieties of that. But just yeah. I don't want to hear my the face of my franchise talking about uh, Fortnite and these these video games that they're playing. I mean it doesn't that that to me doesn't jive with what Gruden likes.
10: Yeah, that's not real Rich Gannon like, is it? No it isn't. I almost <laughs> and, uh, think
3: if the, if they were further along in the process, like if right. this was 2 years in, I almost think Gruden would have his eyes on Baker Mayfield. I feel like Mayfield yeah, right. is his prototype.
10: Mm. Yeah, and and I don't and I think it's a bit early because he hasn't had any time with Carr, but I could see him at this point in his career and I'm talking about Gruden um you know giving it full effort and he likes car and he likes his arm and his potential and you know all of that and uh but i think you're right and i think we're talking about the same thing here that if he doesn't elevate his game if he doesn't uh begin to play the way he did in year three and he doesn't take charge and i'm not saying that he hasn't but i mean to take it to the next level Real, obviously, is that you're talking about the guy that is that's eaten up one out of every seven dollars of the salary cap, and he was boastful about, oh, I took less to help the uh, to help the uh, the other guys. No, you didn't. Yeah, that
3: was so fraudulent.
10: You're getting twenty-five million a year, and you were the highest-paid player in the league when they didn't have to give you a deal at that time. Oh, okay. All of the other guys are going to get the money. So your job, your agent's job was to get your money. You got your money. Now you have to play like the highest paid player in the league. He isn't now, but it was at the time. Now he's down five or six or whatever. Mm-hmm. But still, is yeah. that is that you need to be, you are getting paid elite player money. You did not play anything near that last year. And we've, and we've talked about that. I mean, he's... I mean, it, and, you know, the guy that I would point to now is Wentz.
2: Yes.
10: Is that, to me, in this game, when you're getting paid what car is, and if you want to look at the elite quarterbacks and just watch any game, is that you will see the best quarterbacks are aware that there's two, three, five times in the game where they are going to get just flat out whacked. Mm-hmm. But yet they know, you know, that they have to sacrifice that because it's a big down, it's a big play, it's a crucial moment of game, and it's and it's a play that they have to have. It could it could alter the game. I don't see Carr taking those hits, and I'm not saying he's soft or you know that he that he can't handle the hits. I'm just saying that I don't see him stepping up and knowing he's getting whacked and. Letting it rip, and then he never even sees He makes a lot of business decisions, play.
3: and he always references yeah, a, how his yeah. older brother was sacked all the time and hit
10: all the and time. And that could come into play. Yeah. I don't want to accuse him. That's up to him to say, but I'm just saying to watch the film. Yeah. And you send me a GIF or whatever they call it now of a play where, the, and I'm not talking about one play because we can always find one play, but you show me, you put on Carson Wentz. And he will take several hits a game. He'll run over some guys. He knows when to run. He tucks the ball down, and he knows it's it's third and three, and he's going to get you the four yards, and he's going to keep the chain moving. Like what Gannon did. Yep. Gannon yep. was the same way. Um, he didn't like to get hit, but he would take a hit, and he would yep. – uh, The great ones just, do. Uh, so,
3: and Gruden and, right. Gruden and Gruden told Carr, "I want to see you use your feet more. Get the get the uh, you know the third down conversion with your feet. Uh, extend yeah, the I play don't. with your feet. I don't know if yeah. uh, Carr is uh, you know going to be adherent to that.
10: Uh, I think he'll be okay with that. But again, I want to see that in face of the rush that you see coming. And I'm not talking about the blind side hit because." You don't have anything to say in that. I'm talking about the one that you know that you see it's coming. And it's third and eight, and you've got a guy that's cutting across middle, and you have to step into it. And you know that it's going to hurt.
3: And the linebacker's coming through untouched. Exactly right. (laughs) And it's a big
10: play in the game. I just don't see him making that play. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, and that's what I think Gruden's going to – Push him on that. That'll be part of the next level. It's like, look, you know, I need a little more Kirk Cousins in you. I need some uh, Carson Wentz again, and yeah. um, even, John Sta- even
3: Stafford stands in there. He hangs in yes. there. I mean, that's a yeah, guy with right. baseball pedigree,
2: <laughs> and he's results. on turf. Yes, and he's
10: all in on turf, right? Yeah. And uh, but now, think about though, if you looked at it, and there's a bunch of articles from last year. The car was getting rid of the ball on average, like 2.1 seconds.
3: Yeah. It was, it was actually strange to watch.
10: Yeah. Right. And it was almost like, and it's just like, I mean, he just was not going to get hit. He just was not going to let the play unfold. And uh, it was just like, I'm so I don't know. So I would like, you know, so I'd like to see more of that out of him. And I think that that that's what they need is that, um, is that if you get, Play action, and that thing's going to take a couple seconds, and you've got the guy running the post. You're going to stand in there, and you might get whacked by Bowser or Ingram or whoever. Right, so. no doubt.
3: Now, 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 Cork, you're you're in the loop big time. Uh, we got your pick down as Minka Fitzpatrick. Are you hearing yeah. any other names from your sources that are
10: being floated around that are names to keep an well, yes, eye on? yes, the one that yes, the one that I got uh, told about a week ago is that Gruden likes Mike McGlinchey,
2: Philadelphia t- kid.
10: The Tackle, yeah. Notre Dame also, which uh, Gruden has ties. Notre Dame, and uh, but the weird thing about him is that it's almost a little too high. To take him, is that that's a guy that you can probably get maybe uh, 12, 14, 17. Yeah. So he could be the classic guy where they trade out and say, look, we get our left tackle. We can move. Uh, we play him on the right side first year. We can kick out. Ten after this year, and then we can move them to the left side. Then we can worry about that, and uh, it, then you get bookends, and um, and you could get next pick or two. So
3: no, I, w- I would like that pick. I would like that pick a lot. A, a yeah, funny name, and, a wild card yeah. name that I heard here that uh, intrigued me. Of course, we remember Willie Shaw uh, was Gruden's sure. defensive coordinator. His son yeah. David's the head coach at Stanford. Their defensive uh-huh. tackle Harrison Phillips is a name yep. I've heard connected to the Raiders. I mean, there's a Gruden connection there. Ten is definitely too early for Harrison Phillips. But, sure. I mean, that could be another trade-down candidate kind of guy.
10: In uh, round
3: one, are you talking? People have said ra- end of round one. He's a huh. name. Second round projection, uh, though.
10: Well, if this is the one that I've heard, and that it's. Uh, and now it's getting really weird. Mike Mayock came out today, and he said that Maurice Hurst, he said he wouldn't be he said there's a possibility that he could last till the third day of the draft.
2: Yeah.
10: Now imagine that. And, uh, if but I'd heard that the Raiders would, uh, you know, that they have interest with in him. And if he falls to them at number 41 and, uh, the other name it, that was linked is Arden key, the yeah. guy from LSU, cool. who was kind of a boom bus type player. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, those are two, but imagine if, if Hearst did fall, if he'd, Fell to round four, and if Raiders were the team that pounced on him, you're talking about a guy that a lot of that a lot of people had going in the top uh, 12 picks, possibly. I think it's and, picks uh,
3: like that that can put teams over the top. Uh, exactly. When the yeah. Cowboys took Lyle Collins, in, what was that, the fifth or sixth round, yep. seventh round actually. Uh yep. The mm-hmm. Raiders took Anthony Morris in that same mm-hmm. round, like yep. three picks before. The kid uh-huh. didn't even make the team. I mean, we could have had Lyle exactly. Collins on a rookie yep. contract right now, not Colegio uh, Assembly. And motivated. On the, uh, yes, right. chip, major chip on his shoulder. Yes. Uh, Cork, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It.
10: And if you want to chat in the middle of it uh, after they make the first pick or second day or when it's all over give me a holler yes we'll rock
3: it. Yes, no question about a quirk I will certainly be in touch thank you so much man go Raiders
10: you got it well, thanks right. for having me on mark. you got it hello
3: Johnny Cassano you are now on the mark former college football player Johnny Cassano you are now on the mark 6-2 six, six two, 272 you're a big boy you're in tune with this league Johnny we're doing the on-the-mark mock draft, the mock mock draft, that is. We got a team that we need a pick for. That team is the Miami Dolphins at number 11, Johnny. Who do you see them taking? Throw a name at me, baby, any name.
11: This is brutal. I am on the mark.
2: Yes. Emotions
11: emotions
0: are high. I yes. very accomplished. Uh, give me a couple seconds to think this one out.
3: Okay. Five. Four. Oh
0: my three. Mark, this is not happening. I, don't, I haven't been following this, Jeff. Mark,
3: you're our insider. You're all we got. You're on salary for the Dolphins. Make the pick, John. Gun to your head. You're in the Dolphins' war room. You got to make the pick. Who's it going to be?
0: Oh, my goodness. I think yeah, they're taking Baker Mayfield. Get smoking and Jay Cutler out of there.
3: Baker, the white legend, Mayfield.
1: Yes, Baker, White Lightning.
3: <laughs> white Lightning, so Mayfield. Mayfield. He's the man. Uh Johnny, I love Baker Mayfield.
1: He's a good guy. Good guy.
3: He's a great. We'll see. He's a great guy.
0: You yeah, know, I think he's I think his skill set will uh, transition well in the NFL, the way the game is played today.
3: I totally agree with that statement, and uh, you know he gets laid a lot. Just like Jane Cutler he, probably did, and he'll get a lot of tail down in Miami.
10: I mean, there's that's the one thing I'm worried about,
0: Marky, you know? <laughs> you and Benny Spielberg really need to just look out for Baker Mayfield's off-the-field antics in Miami. Next right. thing you know, he's going to be doing lines of coke off ASIC here, his butt cheeks, and, you know, he's all over the news.
3: Guess what? You're right about that, but here's the thing. Dan Marino was known for his coke binges, and he worked out pretty damn good. So there But is, he never
0: folks, won a Super Bowl. The
3: perfect fit gang, Baker Mayfield, a dolphin. Johnny, <laughs> you're out of here. Thank you, son. Thank you. Now, in the on-the-mark, mock-mock draft, the Buffalo Bills are on the clock with the 12th overall selection. And I got to say, guys, good friend of the show, a guy who likes to imitate coffee reviews, he was supposed to do this pick. He goes by the name of Paulie Van Zee. The man's a, a goddamn coward. He was supposed to be up at the Ralph giving these picks for the Bills. He was telling me he had their game plan. He had uh, some insight. He bailed on us, folks. The man's a coward. He bailed on the VIP listeners. They'll be referring to him as the boy who let the city down. So now I'm going to step in as the relief pitcher and make the pick for McDermott and the Bills at 12. And that pick is Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker, Virginia Tech. Bills fans would have to feel good about getting a top 10 talent here. He's young. And McDermott knows what he's doing on the defensive side of the ball. They proved that last year. Any time an NFL team gets to the playoffs with no quarterback, that is a huge testament to the head coach. And that's exactly what they did. Um, They're going to continue to add to that side of the ball one way or another. And Edmonds is highly thought of by coaches and scouts around the league. It's a nice value pick and almost a steal at 12. Only 19. We don't hear that often. The Washington Redskins are now on the clock. Okay, VIP listeners, for the 13th overall selection in the on-the-mark mock-mock draft, we got our NFC East insider, the legendary Johnny Donny, on the line John, you're tuned in with a lot of this NFC East stuff going on. The draft is here. What are you hearing uh, from the Redskins? What do you think uh, they do with this 13th overall pick?
7: Uh, well, Mark, uh, right now, all, all signs are pointing towards uh, Marcus Davenport okay. out of UTSA, the uh, pass rusher. Kind of a need. The quarterback play in the NFC East uh t- going to new levels in, in recent years between the emergence of Uh, Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott, obviously still have Eli Manning. So somebody to, uh, you know, counteract that quarterback play in the NFC East. Um, The need certainly fits for Washington here at 13.
3: And we got Marcus Davenport now in the the on-the-mark mock draft. That's pretty special right there.
10: Yeah, he's a special player.
7: Uh, We'll see what he can do at the next level. I I think he's a good fit both scheme-wise and, uh, you know, just in general for Washington.
3: Okay, beautiful. Johnny, we love it. We're going to get back to you a little bit later in the day, and we're going to get that Eagles pick from you. Sounds good. And for the 14th overall selection for the Green Bay Packers in the the on-the-mark mock draft, we're bringing back our blogger, our guy, Big Al Russo. Big Al, who we got the Packers taking at 14?
9: Marky, I'm still out here in Dallas at AT AT&T Stadium where everybody is Getting excited for the draft. I have to say before I give you the the Packers selection. And I appreciate you paying and sending me out here. Dallas is a piece of shit. Really? Hate everything You're about Dallas. In, so
3: my, my hard-earned money isn't isn't being enjoyed?
9: Now, the women are disgusting. They, they wear these tube tops with their rolls hanging out. They think they're cute because they got Cowboys hats on. C- C- Cowboys fans are disgusting. Dallas disgusting. The women are gross. I hate it here. They should just blow up the entire city. Jerry Jones is gross. His family's gross. The the whole franchise is gross. AT&T Stadium makes me want to throw up. Oh, I that... hate it here. I can't wait to get back home to Philadelphia. Fuck Dallas. Bring, but enough about Dallas. Bring me back a
3: hot blonde, though.
9: There, there's no such thing in Dallas. <laughs> they just have fat women and cows. That's all they have. You can't tell the difference. All
3: right. Well, we know where you stand on Dallas now.
9: But that, that's what we have for Dallas. As far as the Green Bay Packers, 14th pick. This is a big pick for them. We know Aaron Rodgers. He's not too happy right now. He wants more say. He just lost not only his number one weapon, but maybe his best friend. And that's a big deal. People don't realize that. These guys get close. They remain close. They stay close. He's going to need another weapon. So my pick for the Green Bay Packers out of SMU, 6'4 wide receiver, Courtland Sutton, he's going to be a playmaker. He's going to be everything they need. He's going to get. He's going to be with Rodgers from his rookie year. They're going to be attached at the hip, and along along with the other guys they have out there, they have Jimmy Graham, they have Devontae Adams, they have Randall Cobb. This offense is going to be scary if they can get that kid in there and do what they need to do and bring him along. You're looking at another uh, Green Bay Packers looking to uh, make another Super Bowl run.
3: Yeah, no question about it. They have the weapons, and they got the guy at quarterback. Uh, you know, Mister Danica Patrick. Um, now, Big Al. Yeah,
9: that's a bad. That could be bad. We'll find out though.
3: Yes, that could be bad. Now, Big Al, let's let's talk a little bit about this. You know, blog stuff. This on the mark blog stuff. It's going really well. Our uh, the statistics on our readers' numbers back that claim up. People are really enjoying your work. Uh, creating a lot of conversation. Big Al, your reads, they're comical. They'll bring some information, but it's a guaranteed laugh every time. It's good stuff,
9: man. Yeah, you know, Marky, when you approached me and you wanted to do this partnership, I I won't lie to you. I was hesitant. I was a little bit afraid. I was a little bit scared. I have been doing my own thing for a little, little while now. I can sometimes get a little bit crazy with things. I can kind of put my mind out there a little bit too far. Sometimes it gets me into trouble, but you said you didn't care. You said it didn't matter, you said do you, you said let's do this, let's make it big, let's make it better, let's do everything we have to do to blow up. And we're not only doing that, we're having fun while we're doing it, and that's the most important thing. You had Mia Khalifa, you have Sophie Julia, you're getting bigger, better, greater guests every time. And every interview is great, every interview interview you do is fun, I enjoy listening to it, so it makes my job writing for you easier. But I gotta say something. I gotta say, I need Ronda Rousey. Yes. We need to get Ronda Rousey.
3: Last man standing match, if we if we she, can.
9: She, can't stay with me. She can't hang with me. <laughs> I'm gonna say something. I think she's a fraud. She was a fighter when there was only about 13, 14 other women fighting. Yeah, there
3: wasn't exactly a pool of fighters to give her real. There competition.
9: wasn't. It's it, it's like in the in the 40s and 50s when you have uh, five foot six. White NFL players, you know, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying, you know, yeah, well, hi, things, your things change, yeah, yeah. things change, evolution, but yeah. evolution. I, I, I want to call out Ronda Rousey. I want to see how tough Ronda Rousey is. And you know mm-hmm. what? If it wasn't for on the mark, we would never have a chance to find out if that can happen that's because fair. on the mark is getting bigger on the mark is getting better. We've got Benny there helping us out every bit of the way. One of the best parts of on the mark. You you get the guests you bring them in you give these great interviews everything's going perfect everything's fun everything's going to the moon.
3: Thank you thank you Big Al we love hearing that uh, you're a big part of this team and you know that and gang be sure every time you see the on the mark uh, Twitter or Instagram whatever putting out a Big Al blog. You gotta check it out. It won't be time consuming. It'll put a smile on your face. It'll give you some cheap entertainment. And that's what On the Mark offers our VIP listeners. And now, Big Al, our VIP readers.
9: And don't forget, we're going, we're going all the way across this country. We had that guy from Seattle today. We're getting big. People need to pay attention.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Big Al. We will talk soon. Enjoy Dallas. Enjoy the draft. Get back safe. And when you do, we'll uh, reconvene and figure out the next step in the process. All right, my man?
9: All right. I can't wait to get the hell out of this godforsaken shithole, but I'll see you folks soon.
3: All right. And with the 15th overall pick in the the on-the-mark mock draft, the Arizona Cardinals select cornerback Central Florida Mike Hughes. They lost the Honey Badger they need help in that secondary. They need somebody to, you know, tandem up with uh Peterson and Mike Hughes is a guy who's projected in this spot. This is a landing spot area. We've seen him anywhere from 11 to the end of the first round. He's a talented cat and it's going to be a dull pick for Cardinals fans. They aren't going to love it cardinals have been linked to the cornerbacks they've even been linked to the receivers at this point in the way this draft fell for the cardinals uh there's no tremendous quarterback left the quarterbacks they loved aren't available and there's no transcendent talent at receiver that you're going to say oh he's the next heir apparent to larry fitzgerald
4: mike hughes more like mike who's to me yeah kind I of i mean honestly who the hell uh, why because he went to central florida and they didn't lose any games hey. uh, maybe the kid's talented maybe he'll I be mean, a great like, pro i listen i I, don't, I didn't watch enough film on him to it, know much about him all i'm gonna say is a lot of these cornerbacks fizzle out from the first round oh yeah It's not easy to play corner Be careful just drafting a corner because you let go an all-pro corner.
3: I would say more than bust than make it. That's a
4: dangerous game, and a team like the Arizona Cardinals are probably going to screw that. Why (laughs) not?
3: Well, yeah, I guess they're saying we got people in the organization that can help us identify good defensive backs. They identified Peterson. They identified—
4: My grandma could have identified Peterson. They
3: identified the Honey Badger who had his doubters.
4: Sure weight room issues. I love the guy.
3: So those are two LSU guys. I'll throw this out there. Another potential LSU guy that maybe they land in the second round or they a trade back or, hell, for all I know, they reach for him. Uh, LSU receiver DJ Chark. You don't know. So that's another name to keep an eye on for the Cardinals.
4: Receivers just like corners, uh, you never know what order they're going to go in.
3: And, boy, aren't the Cardinals another example of a team who had a sweet jersey who botched it up and look like an inner city high school now.
4: Absolutely, man.
3: I can't stand what they did to those beautiful uniforms.
4: Yeah. Yeah, those classic white helmets. Those were cool, man.
3: <laughs> yeah. I love the logo on the side with the like the rising sun. Yeah, that I was cool. I think it was that too. Arizona state flag. Yeah, probably
4: something like that. It I was just cool. think they of were Jake cooler the Snake when they, plumber, man. They were
3: cooler when they were the Phoenix Cardinals.
4: Yeah. That was cool. Cuz
3: a phoenix is actually a bird. Yeah. I know. And a Cardinals, also a bird.
4: Rising from the ashes. Kind of. Cool I'm like right a phoenix here.
3: rising from Arizona. Man, they got to get back to those good uniforms. Agreed. The Baltimore Ravens are on the clock. As the on the mark mock, mock draft rolls on, we now have the Baltimore Ravens with the number 16 overall pick. Presenting that pick to you is the great Benny Spielberg.
4: Guys, I'm in touch with the Baltimore sports culture, as weird as that sounds.
3: Diehard Orioles fan and season ticket holder. Let these VIP listeners know, Benny, don't hide it.
4: No, absolutely. I've been a season ticket holder of the Orioles essentially my whole life gone to many playoff games the full-on package trust me man it's we respect the hell out of that it's cost me a few it's cost me a few shekels for sure marky but it's all been worth it despite the fact that i never got a ring out of those Orioles. gotta watch
3: the shekels
4: but now with the ravens on the clock a lot of people wonder what they're doing the ravens are one of those funky franchises that always seem to be picking the same type of players all the time tough
3: guys Guys who fall a little bit, go a little lower than maybe you anticipated uh, them to. Uh, They always seem to drift well. Ozzie Newsome, Steve Bishotti have done a nice job.
4: A lot of times, it's guys that not everybody's sold on. Mm
1: -hmm. It's guys
4: that, coming into the draft, people are going, I don't know, I might just stay away from this guy. The Ravens have a knack for going after those guys. But also, a guy that has huge upside. A guy that really could bust it out. And that's why, with this pick... They are going with LSU running back Darius Geis. They're afraid of Joe Flacco right now. They're afraid of Joe throwing the ball. They don't want to put it all on his shoulders anymore. They see that that is not the way to go. And I think Harbaugh realizes that he needs a workhorse, somebody that he can hand the ball to 30-plus times a game and pound into the ground when Joe Flacco can't complete a pass.
3: Yeah, set up that play action for Flacco. He's got uh, Crabtree and Willie Sneed to throw to now. Uh, Why not? Uh, Geis, uh, he's athletic as all hell, but he's got the size. Kind of like a poor man's Fournette for me, but very, very good. Uh, His name freaks me out a little bit, Darius Geis. I see Geis, I want to say Guiche. I want to make it like Italian. Yeah. And then Darius, I want it to be Darius. But it's Darius, but that's okay. We can't look too deep into the name. I like my LSU guys, and uh-
4: listen, I'll tell you what Darius in his picture at LSU, he looks like a choir boy. The guy, the guy looks like a great person. I'm sure he has. I'm sure he is a great person. Great personality on him. I bet. But when he's in those pads and helmet, he looks like a villain, man.
3: Oh, yeah. He's a beast.
4: And I think the Ravens see that. I think they see the dog in him. They see the fight in him in a good way.
3: Yeah, they like those players.
4: Yeah. Some are comparing him to Marshawn Lynch. I don't know if he's as beast mode or as explosive necessarily, but that's okay. I think he can find the holes. I think he can push the piles. I think he can create his own fortune out there. And I, I think the Ravens are going to get a nice running back for the future. That's going to allow them to possibly win some games that Joe Flacco yeah, can't win for them.
3: You don't want to talk about tough running backs for the Ravens. One knocked his wife out. The other's in jail for cocaine trafficking, Jamal Lewis. Uh, who was the, the running back who hit his wife in the elevator? Ray Rice. Ray Rice, Rutgers, New Jersey. We all remember that. Uh. Yeah, so the Ravens got to be careful at running back. Geis has some character concerns, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I like the pick regardless. I've seen him slotted very close to that.
4: And I'll tell you another reason why I think that it makes perfect sense for Geis to wind up in Baltimore is that he really sets up blocks well and follows through with that block. And I believe a hard-nosed coach like Harbaugh that comes from a bloodline of NFL coaches is going to appreciate a running back that can block being picked in the first round.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Especially if, once again going through the whole thing, get Flacco all the help he can get. You need a running back to pick up that blitz. You know they got a nice year out of Alex Collins, but you know he they signed him off the scrap heap from the uh, Seahawks. So who knows what you're going to get this year? As the on the mark mock mock draft rolls on, Darius Squeeze, a Raven. Quote the Raven. Nevermore. VIP listeners, we now have our great friend Marnie back on the mark. Marnie's going to be giving us the LA Chargers pick, number 17 overall. Marnie, we know you're out in uh, LA, living that LA life. What are you hearing about these Chargers and the direction they may go in the first round?
12: See, I need my beauty rest, Mark. Otherwise, I'm not attractive. And oh, that's really, you know.
3: <laughs> Marnie, you're always on the mark. You're always looking great.
12: Well, thank you. Well, you know,
3: we appreciate appreciate you joining us, of course.
12: Well, you know, I like that. I I like the Chargers. I like, you know, the teams that are in Los Angeles to, you know, have some success. I think it's great for the fan base and people in L.A. to, you know, put down the remote control and go watch some football or whatever. Uh, I think that uh, Jair Alexander would be a great pick for the Chargers. He's a Louisville guy. You know, he's really fast. I think that he would be just a really great addition to the Los Angeles Chargers. So that's my pick. All right, there
3: it is. It's documented. Now, what do you think of the Chargers last year playing in that soccer stadium, so StubHub Center? Uh well, you know, the it's vibe really out small. there about
12: that? It's, it's a small venue. I mean, it it's really, it's small. I, it, it does not feel like you're at a National Football League game, but there is something kind of weirdly... Charming about it because it is very—it's just—it's intimate. It uh, it is. I mean, yeah, it it definitely is, and it's kind of easy to you know the—it's easy to get in and out of there, and you're not dealing with you know eighty thousand people. It's thirty thousand people. But that being said, it doesn't have the same, you know, feeling of being at you know uh, like let's just say I'll use Lincoln Financial or you know another stadium or even. You know, uh, but but there is something nice about it, and you know, I think that it'll be it's a it's a great uh, baby steps for the Chargers, almost in like Los Angeles,
3: almost like a little college type feel as well.
12: And well, I mean, I went to Penn State, so it was nothing like my college.
3: A lot of Penn State guys in this draft. A lot, a lot of sought after yeah. Penn State guys in this draft. Yes, that uh, is
12: true. I mean, Saquon Kaseki. Oh yeah, yes, they're great for sure. Now, what, Marnie,
3: what else you got going on? Anything uh, special that you'd like to mention? You you
12: always, uh, you're in the mix somehow. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, obviously, you know, I'm I'm continuing my Football Freddy and Fumble the Dog game day book series. So the first one, Philadelphia, we uh, did great, you know, sold lots and lots and, you know, thousands of copies. And I'm going to actually do a second printing of it for the football season this year. And we have uh, scheduled to come out, uh, I think it's the end of June, early July, Football Freddy and Fumble the Dog game day in the Carolinas, and then uh, Football Freddy and Fumble the Dog game day in Atlanta right after that. And so then we're going to kind of see where we end up. Might be Pittsburgh, might be Chicago, might be, you know, that's
3: in California. That's a, nice, that's California. a nice circuit right there.
12: Yeah, it is. It's been great. And you know what? The thing is that, that – The Football Freddy, you know, based, it's Freddy's kind of my alter ego uh, from when I got the opportunity when my grandfather on the Eagles to travel around and see all these great football cities and meet all these great fans. And it was uh, a way that I could expose young football fans to the sport and to different cities that have great football teams there and also for, you know, older people to have a kind of a, an idea, an identity of, Oh, wait a minute. Yes. I, I know this place and I've been there and I love going to get barbecue in the Carolinas or I love a cheesesteak at Pat's, things like that. So it's been, and it's certainly it's been a, very good. It's certainly for a great cause as well. Well, that's definitely true. I mean, everything I do, Mark has to have some sort, I mean, it has to, I don't feel right unless It's really rooted in, uh, in, in a way to give back. So, you know, my big passion my my uh, is certainly the Ronald McDonald House. I'm also, uh, which my grandfather founded when he owned the Eagles. I'm doing a lot of work this year with the USO and the military. So the football Friday and Fumble the Dog Game Day, the Carolinas has a huge military presence. Uh, there's I don't want to give too much away, but she uh, ends up at at Fort Bragg, and you okay. know it's a, it's yeah. So it, it's it's a very uh, military Fort Bragg is the largest military base in the world and it happens to be located in Fayetteville North Carolina so we could not do a book about the Carolinas without mentioning Fort Bragg and the importance of the military here and uh, you know or there in the Carolinas no question and about so it. yeah and uh it's important to me you know to, to recognize that and then my other passion project is you know keep on playing and we work with the boys and girls clubs and minor league baseball teams and get kids to get an opportunity to go to a baseball game in a uh, really luxurious kind of VIP way a minor league game because right. it's I love minor league baseball and uh, rather than you know being in a in a minivan that looks like they've been kidnapped we <laughs> take them in <at> first class <laughs> no one wants no one wants that <laughs> uh, no one and uh, so they don't are not going to be like yay take me out to the ball game right, right. Uh, you know so we, you know, get first no, I mean, please. It's like so amateur. I mean, yeah. my grandfather would always say, if you're going to go, go first class. Uh, so I agree. We I work love with, that motto. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, and I, this is the first time that a lot of these kids have been exposed to a real life game. So mm-hmm. I certainly don't want them to be in a, you know, in a patty. Uh, you in want a them to caddy- it to its caddy- fullest. Right. Exactly. Like they have to go and they get a VIP treatment and then it'll be more fun for them. And whether they decide they want to play baseball or not, you know, we'll see about that. But we're definitely going to expose them to the game in a really kind of fun and luxurious, uh, you know, VIP way. So those are my three things that really, you know, mean a lot to me. And Marnie,
3: yeah. it means a lot to us that you came back on the show, gave us that Chargers pick. I'm going to be out in L.A. next month, I believe, so I will certainly let you know. And uh, Marn, thanks again. You know we uh, think the world of you. Thank you.
12: All right. Well, likewise, and I'm really proud of you guys. And thank you. What you're doing is great, and you have great, you know, material and great guests. So bravo.
3: Thank you so much, Marnie. We will talk soon. I appreciate you. Go get
12: your beauty rest. Well, I think, well, thank you. <laughs> I was kind of joking, but I do need my beauty rest. No, we all Marne. do. I mean, I, don't, I wasn't joking about, need. I do need, I actually need, I was joking about the time frame, but of course I need my beauty rest. Yes. Not that I'm so beautiful without uh, it. But no, anyway. we know what you mean. Thank you. Okay. Really Excellent. Marnie. Okay. All right. Later. All right. Talk to you soon. Yes. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Booney!
3: So, VIP listeners, now on the mark, we have baseball legend, Brett Boone. Well, listen, Brett, this is the on-the-mark mock, mock draft show, and we call it that because the mock draft prognostications, it's almost like weathermen. You know, they're wrong all the time. Even Mel, the Mel Kuypers of the world, the Maches of the world, all the draft gurus, they hit for a very <laughs> low average with these draft picks.
6: Well, let me tell you this: I know nothing about anything. <laughs> nothing. When it comes to that. when it comes to football, but if the so-called professionals or the experts are the same as they are in baseball, well, then they probably don't know anything. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. But they know—they know as much as I do on their sport. Right, right, right.
3: <laughs> so it's all even. Now, all right, let me ask you a kind of a funny question here. Do you get into the Major League Baseball draft at all? No. <laughs> oh, you mean
6: the, the actual draft.
3: Yeah.
6: Well, a couple of years ago, I worked, I was uh, working for the A's. Right. And, you know, they'd send me out ready right draft time and then I'd submit my opinion on what I saw. So, yeah, at that time, I was very interested in, hey, these guys are the <clears throat> ones I turned in. I want to see, you know, how we pick them, who they get picked by. So, yeah, it was definitely interesting for me then. But I had a, you know, I had a reason. Yeah, It's like I, I spent time at the SEC tournament and now I want to see, you know, where we draft these guys. So, yeah, I had, I had a little bit of skin in the game at that point. But yeah, there was a personal now, connection. Now I, I kind of keep up with friends of mine who has kids that might get drafted. And it's more of a – just an interest for me to, to see where my buddy's kids get drafted or, or my own son.
3: Right. What was your draft day like?
6: Oh, my draft day. Um Remember, I was uh, junior at USC, and you know there was a lot of that preseason stuff. And I had an okay year, but I finished real strong in the regional. And I thought, oh that probably got me back in the first round. And I was the first pick in the fifth round, and I was not happy. Um, you
3: were pissed off, huh?
6: Oh, I was angry. Wow. And I re- I remember my dad laughing at me. Saying, so what are you going to do? Have him redo the draft? (laughs) He said, the bottom line is, the draft's over. This is where you were picked. I would suggest to you, cut the best deal you can and go play baseball. Yeah, Because if you're not good enough, you're going to have to get a job anyway. (laughs) Uh, Man, that's sad advice. Oh, it's so sound. <laughs> but when you're a 21 year old naive kid who thought you were going to get picked in the first round, you don't want to hear that right then. But looking back, it was great advice. And and now I know why my dad was laughing because he knew the the road I was about to go on and how tough it was to be a big leaguer and, and really draft status has nothing to do with you making this, you know, doing this for a living. It's all on you to go out and perform. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I look back years later, and I laughed at that young kid sitting in that draft room. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Were you uh,
3: were you teammates with Jack Del Rio? No. Okay. He would no, not, have been there before?
6: Yeah, before. I was uh, class of 90.
3: Okay. So. Gotcha.
6: Let me ask you a question.
3: When you first got to USC, were you, were
6: you intimidated at all?
3: Not Maybe? at all. Not even a little bit, huh?
6: Not at all. No. You know, I, I, you know, like we have talked about on previous shows, it's that was a different time in my life where I was really had blinders on and I didn't care what anybody said. Uh, they, you know, try to give me a heads up. This is going to be this way or that way. No, I was just full steam as now I'm a freshman. I'm going to be an all American. Then I'm going <clears> to <throat> go to the minor leagues and I'm going to get to the big leagues quick, but I'm going to be an all-star and <clears throat> every step of the way, I just had that attitude. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it didn't take until I got to the big leagues, finally, and I remember my first day there. You know, I was sitting on a flight on the way to Baltimore, and it was my first time I ever flew in first class, and there was a businessman next to me, and he said, Kid, where are you going? I said, I'm going to play the Orioles. He said, come on. Yeah. I said, yeah. I That's said, you want to awesome. go to the I can't go to the game tonight. He goes, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know, but I'll tell you what. That first bat, something's going to be hit hard somewhere. <laughs> I remember my first bat I got a base hit in an RBI and uh, I got to first and I still had that attitude of what am I you know I came out of the minor leagues and <clears throat> you know I was hitting three I forget what I was hitting in, in Calgary that year but I was hitting three I don't know 315 320 and I just said well I'm gonna hit 320 in the big leagues now and then yeah. um, a month and a half later I was sitting in my locker <laughs> hitting 198. Looking at my butt going, this is really hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it was a friend of mine who was, a, you know, kind of, he was a big prospect and he, he'd been on the shuttle for years going up and down, up and down. He said, it's really hard. You got to make an adjustment. And that was the first time I really got humbled where, you know, the big leagues is really hard and I had to make adjustments. And, you know, I got sent in and out a couple times when I first got called up and, uh, you know, and, <clears throat> finally in 93 I stuck but uh it was a lot of hard work and and that naive kid I think parts of that were I think good you know I see young kids nowadays and and if I see that sparkle in their eye and that true belief not that put on belief like I'm supposed to act this way if I see someone truly that believes in themselves that great um I like those guys. Right. Even you're if they're
3: firing broke. me up right now. You're actually motivating Even the if... hell out of me because you could you could translate this into multiple industries here, multiple professions. That, yeah, that attitude, that ass-kicker attitude.
6: But, but you you can't fake confidence. You right. know, right? That's gonna,
3: so damn true.
6: You're not going to be able to fool me. It's I've seen a lot of young players. You know, six-three and two hundred twenty pounds, and they can fly, and they've got a, a great arm and a lot of bat speed and around the the clubhouse they can talk a good game you know like i'm the man this and that but i want that kid that when he goes back to his hotel room and it's just him and him just him all by himself looking in the mirror when he gets out of the shower the kid that looks in the mirror and and believes how good he is that's the kid i want because because you can't fake that you can't fake that it's something that's ingrained in you or you've got to learn how to do that. Learn how to trick your brain. I call it, uh, but that goes with a lot of sacrifice. But uh, I had that, mm-hmm. and and I think that's that's uh, you know I, I give that a little credence to, to why I made it in the first place. <clears throat> um, you know I look back at that kid over the years and I laugh at him because I have no idea what was what was in front of me and how how tough of a road and how much hard work I had to put in. But, uh, like I said, the game will humble you. Uh, and that's why when I was a veteran player and young players would come up, you know, a lot of times we'll get hazed and you have to wear a dress. Or several times uh, I'd come to my locker my rookie year and my suit, all the buttons on my suit were cut off. Oh, my and God. Up, and on my shirt. Hazing's
3: and, um, illegal now, Brett. You do that, you do a 10-year well, minimum sentence.
6: Well, they, they didn't do anything bad. They made me wear <laughs> a dress on a charter plane. How bad could it be? And, <laughs> That was a part of the deal, and I embraced it. I thought yeah. I'm a rookie, got I gotta go through this like everybody else. When I got older and I was a veteran, I would always support whatever was going on. It was always something fun. But uh, I never really gave the guys a heart. As long as that the, the young man or the rookie would come up, and <clears throat> first, as long as they respected the players that had tenure, <clears throat> I didn't care if they were cocky whatever they wanted to do uh, because I, I I didn't need to be the one to humble them you know and I always use the the scenario of you know Greg Maddox is pitching tonight, he's gonna humble this guy. yeah, yeah I don't yeah. Have right Of course you no know, you're gonna that's how you're gonna learn mm-hmm. and just like I did, just like the you know players before me and the players after me, we all learn our own way. The big leagues is a really hard place to to hit. And until you learn how to do it and, and like I said, you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get your lunch handed to you more times than one and it's how you come back. And the true players and the players that, that reach high levels in this game, they're the ones that get knocked to the floor, get back up and, and find a way to get through it.
3: No doubt. Now, Brett, same thing happens in the NFL draft. A lot of these first round picks, second round pick guys, they'll get humbled quickly, whether it's at uh, training camp, shortly after, or even before. The Seahawks, your Seattle Seahawks, we're gonna call them so for all those years you played in Seattle, are picking at eighteen. We know you've been doing your research. We know you've been doing I did your my research. No, yeah. I do, I do know that.
6: I do know that. <laughs>
3: Who do we have them taking for the on the mark mock mock draft?
6: Okay, let's see. I don't have them taking anybody. Well, maybe, maybe.
3: conceding the pick here.
6: Here's what I'm thinking is going to happen. <laughs> Schneider might trade Earl Thomas to the Cowboys, which in return he'll get the 22nd pick. Okay. Okay.
3: I'm writing this down. If,
6: if, if he does that, he'll get the 22nd pitch, pick, which will be Dallas's pick. Right. Now he'll have the 18th and the 22nd. He'll trade the 22nd pick for two second rounds or a second round and a third round, whatever he can negotiate. Okay. Okay. But now he'll still have the 18th pick. And if the lineman from UW. Vita V. Vita Ve, If he is available at 18, they'll take him.
3: Okay. There it now, is. If
6: they don't trade Earl Thomas, they'll trade their first round pick, 18. For the same scenario, a uh, uh, second round and a third round pick, or two third round picks, whatever they can negotiate. So but know. but their D line is going to be what they go after because that's what Schneider and Carroll like, and they also need a cornerback. But I think they're because they don't have a second or third round pick this year, they're going to try to get multiple picks if they have to trade. Uh, if they have to trade their first round pick, and I think. If they are making a trade for picks, if the Earl Thomas thing doesn't go through, I think they're going to trade their twenty-second pick, and they're probably going to deal with Cleveland.
3: What a move up!
6: Cleveland, I think Cleveland has two second-round picks. Oh, I see what you're saying. Third-round pick.
3: Yes, they do. So
6: there's multiple. There's multiple scenarios I came up with. That's good for
2: a
3: rookie. Now, wow you might uh, you might need to be a GM somewhere in this NFL. That's a lot that's of wheel and paperwork. deal. I like guys who wheel and deal.
6: I think that's what's going to happen. You know? So, uh, all right, it's documented. Vita Yeah, Vita Oh, also, Vita he had a couple sacks on the Trojan quarterback, I think, two Sam years Sam Darnold. I think sure. he sacked yeah. him twice, not last year, the year before.
3: Okay, that wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Yeah. Your uh, USC uh, brethren right there, Sam Darnold. You got it. Brett.
6: Now, where's Darnold going to go? I'm going to ask you.
3: Well, we had a a very nice uh, uh, sports talk show host here in Philly. Great guy, Anthony Gargano from 97.5, the Fanatic. He did the Browns picks. He had the uh, Browns taking Saquon Barkley first overall, and then he had the Browns taking Sam Darnold with the fourth overall
6: pick. Wow. Yeah, well, and it's interesting to me because football, <laughs> excuse me, You're football right. is so different than baseball sure. um, because of the, what you have to do for the draft. You have to declare, whereas in baseball, you don't have to declare. Um, yeah, you could go. So back. I'm thinking all these times, you know, when these when these quarterbacks declare after their junior year, you know, they have to know something. <laughs> it's like because you've given up your college senior year. So by doing that, you have to know that, well, I'm kind of guaranteed to go in the first two rounds or the first round or whatever. So, I mean, I mean, what if it was like the baseball draft where, you know, go back to myself. In, yeah. Right. In, uh, 1990 where I was projected preseason to go in first round, all of a sudden it's, you know, I kind of have an okay year, but I finish really strong. Well, it's, and, you know, thinking, all right, now I might be a second-round pick, but first. And then I go in the fifth round. What if something happens to a quarterback where he gives up the senior year like, a, like Sam did? And you never see those guys getting picked in the tenth round. Right. You see what I'm saying?
3: And it goes back to a prior conversation that we both had on this show, uh, you know, two sport athletes. Like when John Elway said, hey, I'm just going to go play for the Yankees. And when uh, Bo Jackson said, uh, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go play baseball," and then I'll... right, well, they're they're using
6: their leverage exactly, you know?
3: and you you know you certainly can't blame anybody for that. Well, or... I'm
6: interested because obviously I you know there's I'm very kind of you know I'm a fan of sport. No I know about that Me and you I'm not a, but I'm not a big time fan. You know, I still yeah. there's a part there's a piece of my heart growing up in Jersey that I still kind of root for the Philly teams. Very cool. You know. I still, I still kind of do that. Uh, I went to USC, so I, of course I root for USC. My daughter goes there. Um, you know, now I'm forced to root for the Yankees.
10: Yeah,
3: yeah. And <laughs> With you, Aaron being there, you know, what are you hearing out of uh, out of the Bronx? How's Aaron? Uh, you know, he's doing adapting. good. I, I
6: actually just got back. I, I went on a trip back there, and I uh, went to <clears throat> Princeton to see my son play a few games, and then I. Shut up and, and went to yankee stadium and saw aaron and watched them play a few games so uh, they're doing good aaron's gonna aaron's gonna do great he's yeah. um you know i just laugh at the at the social media and uh, you know if they lose a game and it's aaron boone's not ready for this <laughs> just, i look at it like oh really yeah are you ready are you Yeah. Tell, tell me what tell yeah. me what being ready is please. Yeah. i'd really like to know
3: yeah when, when you people, know enlighten me here. Exactly. When people come. But he's
6: Aaron's going to be Aaron's going to be great. He's he's a good guy first and foremost. People like him and he's really a high IQ when it comes to this game. No question and about it. And me and him me and him definitely argue on some, you know, the up to date the the analytics and everything. Uh, I, I'm open to to some analytics, mm-hmm. uh, him more than me. So you know, we'll talk about something. He'll go, "What do you mean? You can't?" I said, "Are you serious? <laughs> You're really going from the era you play to Mr. Analytical now." So wow. it, it's kind of funny. We can debate stuff like that, but uh you know, he's got a he's got a great staff around him. He's got some really good players, um, but at the end of the day, the bottom line is if if Stanton. Hits two homers and drives in five runs, and Judge hits a homer. They're probably going to win, no question. And if about those it. guys have, you know, if the if if the offense has a rough day, probably going to get their butt kicked. Yeah. You know, so as a manager, when the players play well, you win, and they're going to get the credit. When you lose, you're going to get blamed for it. Oh no. Question. So there's a no-win. There's a no-win situation, but that's what you know going into the job, especially that high profile of a job for his first job of course he's going to be critiqued every day by the talk shows but but he's you know he's well aware of that and he doesn't that's not going to affect how he goes forward and i i think he's he's going to do a real good job and you know it's 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 cool that it's a very young team and a very talented team if you look up and down it's just you know whether they they pitch enough is is going to determine How they finish this year. Sure.
3: Uh, Here in Philly, Gabe Kapler, he was booed on opening day. Meanwhile, the Phillies are like 14 and 7, right? You know, the Phillies are playing well.
6: Right, after last year being the worst team in baseball. Yep. And all of a sudden, they're off to a great start. Now Gabe's the the king of the city. I mean, that's how sports are. You know that. Yes, yes. It has nothing to do with Gabe. Players are playing really well. You know, he might be giving them a nudge one way or the other and, and doing his job. But the bottom line is I've learned this a long time ago. If you ain't got the horses, you ain't going to win, it doesn't matter. Yep. You know. Yep. Joe Torre, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame manager, right? How how did he do in St. Louis when he didn't have a good team? How did it, Terry it how did
3: Terry Francona do with the Phillies and now he's pushing it the Hall of Fame, right. you know?
6: It just doesn't matter. You got to have the horses.
3: Mhm. No you know? question about it. So. Brett, you're our horse. Brett, we always appreciate you coming on the mark. Thank you so much. I love the V to V pick. I love the wheeling and dealing. And I'll talk to you soon, man. I'm pulling for these Yankees.
6: All right, guys. Thanks for having me on.
3: Brett, you're the man. Later. I want to thank
2: the Eagle fans for allowing
5: me to have a career in the NFL.
3: Thank you. And now for the 19th overall selection We're on the mark, mock, mock, draft, The Dallas Cowboys are on the clock. And no other guy to give us that pick than my producer, our co-host, the great Benny the Bear, Juice Spielberg. Benny, you're dialed in with these Cowboys. They're they're beat writers. Um, you know people within the organization. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you feeling?
4: Yeah, Marky. You know Cowboys Country. We were really looking in a certain direction in this draft. I think the Cowboys have kind of crossed a the plane there okay with allowing the offense to be Dak and Zeke and just this good running game nothing too crazy nothing too out there they were going to invest again in the defense because that's been really where Jerry Jones and his son have decided to take this Cowboys team and build off of that I think Deron Payne from Alabama was going to be the pick for the Cowboys. I
3: would have loved that. That would be a cool fit.
4: I loved him. I think he's would have been great on that D-line. It's almost possibly what that D-line needs. But we all know Jerry Jones needs to make a show. A D tackle when the draft is in your stadium does not put on a show. I don't care if he's from Alabama or not. What puts on a show is replacing The guy you just cut. A legend you just cut in Des Bryant, and they go out and draft DJ Moore, wide receiver from the University of Maryland. This kid could be an absolute stud. Now, I'm a little worried. Maryland receivers got to scare you. Torrey Smith, Hayward Bay, my God. Well, you got Stephon Diggs, too. Yeah. And I was just going to say I'm a little worried that Stephon Diggs has put a seed into the Cowboys' mind that Maryland receivers... Are all of a sudden these stud receivers? Now
3: this is a little weird. I gotta say, I'm thinking, yeah, take Deron Payne, your next Russell Maryland. <laughs> I was about to say that. That's
4: funny. You know, yeah. they they
3: could use a Deron Payne. They
4: man. could really use it. I would have loved that pick. That's, I believe, the direction that they were headed before they decided ultimately to cut Des Bryant. I think after that, with the draft being in the stadium, they need to make a statement. And they're going to bring in Philadelphia's own DJ Moore. Not many people have talked about him being a Philly product.
3: Where'd he go to high school,
2: Benny?
4: Not sure of the school, but he went to high school in North Philly, Marky. He, he's coming out as a junior. The guy's 6'4", 210, runs a four four two. The guy's a playmaker. And I believe the Cowboys think that even though he's bigger than Stefan Diggs, that their playing styles are very similar. And he has athletic ability while remaining that big. I really think that they think he's a playmaker. He's essentially a quicker Des Bryant, essentially a Des Bryant that they drafted eight or so years ago. I think he's got good speed, good size, well-liked by his coaching staff. Everybody thinks he's a good teammate, and I think that that's what they're trying to bring on when they cut Dez Bryant.
3: And look, you take DJ Moore, and then what? That's three years in a row of Philly receivers drafted. Jalen Strong, Will Fuller, now DJ Moore, and hey, Marvin Harrison – uh, was pretty damn good too, wasn't he, Benny?
4: Absolutely. So there you have
3: it. DJ Moore, a Cowboy. With the 20th overall selection in the first round of the On the Mark mock, mock, draft, the Detroit Lions select offensive tackle Mike mclinchy, Notre Dame. Here's another guy who's a Philly guy, went as far as to say he would love to play for the hometown Eagles. So there you go, two Philly guys back-to-back. He's a big-body guy. Notre Dame has been shitting out good offensive linemen, to say the least. McGlinchey fits the mold. He wears that old-school face mask with the bar down the middle. I love that. that. That's so cool. Throw it back.
4: Absolutely. I'm waiting
3: for some basketball players to bring back the high shorts. Because high it's shorts are in. It's starting to come in. back in. It's starting a little bit. to come it's back creep- in. And it's creeping back in.
4: Even though low shorts aren't as low as oh, they no, used to be. Oh, no, no.
3: They're not Iverson low.
4: No, they're not at their ankles.
3: No, yeah, yeah. But Iverson looked great in a uniform. Absolutely. And he was one of the best high school football players in the country.
4: Mm-hmm. Some
3: felt he was a better football player than he was basketball.
4: Yeah, I don't know if he could have survived he might well, have been a great football player. Well, you know,
3: Darren Sproles, there have been little cornerbacks
4: to survive. Um, if he wanted to play quarterback, he wouldn't have survived, man. No, no. He would
3: have been a corner. He would have been a return man. Uh, I would have loved to see Iverson play football. Just like we always say how cool it would be for LeBron to play football.
4: Uh, LeBron would have been a great tight end. Maybe the best tight end ever.
3: You know who would be even better? Yeah. Ben Simmons.
4: Well, absolutely. I'll tell you this. Both of them Australian might be the rules, best quarterbacks uh, ever.
3: What's that? Australian rules football? What do they call it? Rugby. That? Rugby. <laughs> yeah.
4: I'll tell you what, though. Did either they be one of those. the two best tight ends in NFL history. I think either one of those might have been some of the best quarterbacks. Have you seen the pass LeBron had about a month ago? He caught the rebound with one hand without even taking a step or turning his body, launched it full length of the court. Caught his man perfectly in stride over his shoulder. It was it, It's unbelievable, the sight. Yeah, man. He made the
3: play, and uh, he's a tremendous athlete, as we all know. And here's the thing, Benny. I just got to add in tidbit of the Lions. Love the direction they're going in. I love the tweak they made to their uniforms. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare I say that in today's NFL because so many good uniforms, great uniforms, have been tweaked to garbage. Uh, I love the Lions tweak. I enjoy their roster. I'm pulling for Matt Patricia to be a success there. I mean,
4: I am, too. I've always been a Patricia guy. Yeah, he's, he's cool. just
3: a cool guy.
4: Yeah. Just a guy I would love to have a beer with and sit and talk to.
3: Yeah, man. He was dressed like uh, Tony Soprano at the uh, meeting down in Miami. Mm-hmm. was at the owner's meeting yeah. or whatever. But I'm I'll, pulling for him. I'm pulling for the Lions. i I'll like tell Stafford. You this, though.
4: He looks like the perfect seven and nine. Oh, yeah, Detroit Lions coach. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. But he has a higher ceiling than that goofball uh, that they just had in Caldwell, there. Jim Caldwell.
4: Caldwell might be one of the worst coaches to have a head coaching job uh, in the NFL. That was in a joke. That at least a decade. Chance. Yeah. At least.
3: That was a joke. So now the Bengals are on the clock. The Cincinnati Bengals select. Hayden Hurst, tight end. South Carolina Gamecocks. Love that name, Benny, the Gamecocks.
4: Always a fan of the name I'd, the Gamecocks. I would like
3: to think of myself as a Gamecock.
4: I played on a baseball team named the Gamecocks.
3: Something about the word game and cock just belongs together.
4: It's just so cool for, like, a sports team to use. You
3: run game on a girl to give her the cock.
4: cock. You're a game (laughs) cock, baby. A
3: lot of people like Hayden Hurst. I think the Bengals know that uh, Tyler Eifert might be dead. He might be, you know, they might need to bring him back to life like Frankenstein or something. Uh, Hayden Hurst is a playmaker. Scouts are high on him. Guys are high on him. He's projected to go top 20, so this would be a nice fit here for the Bengals. The uh, another example of a team who tweaked their uniforms for the worst.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of this tight end grouping. It is. It's a good tight. Draft. It's a good tight end draft. Yeah, no doubt about and that. And I think they got a playmaker.
3: No doubt about that. The Buffalo Bills are now back on the clock with the 22nd overall selection in the On the Mark Mock Mock Draft. The Buffalo Wild Bills select quarterback Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State. And what better than this, folks? An Oklahoma State cowboy goes to play for Wild Buffalo Bills football. That's cool. Two cowboys linking up right there. Boom. Why not? He's a big-bodied guy, can play in the cold. Why not?
4: I'll say this. Didn't the Cowboys shoot all the Bills and make them extinct, all the Buffalo and make them extinct?
3: Yeah, they were using them for game and whatnot.
4: Uh Uh-oh. And, uh... You know there's been some talks about moving the Buffalo Bills. And the Native
3: Americans resented them, saying, you know, we use all parts of the Buffalo. We don't waste the Buffalo. We don't kill the Buffalo for sport.
4: This could be a bad omen for the Bills. They might wind up in Toronto in two years. Maybe. But nobody circles the wagons. Like the like Buffalo, Buffalo
0: Bills.
5: Bills. Nobody
3: circles the wagons like the Buffalo
2: Bills.
11: You've reached Chris Leahy with the Houston Astros. If you could please leave your name and your number, I'll be sure to give you a call back.
9: Have a great rest of your day. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options.
3: Chris, it's on the mark. We're calling you for a pick for the mock draft. You bailed on us. We had you last year. We desperately wanted you back this year. You're a big-time guy down in Houston, former Eagles employee. We love you. We miss you. We want you back on the show Uh, As soon as you could swing it, brother. Later. VIP listeners, we wanted uh, Chris Leahy to present the Patriots, the runner-up this past season. We wanted uh, him to present that pick to you guys. Chris is uh, MIA, so I will now offer up the 23rd pick in the the on-the-mark, mock-mock draft. The New England Patriots select defensive tackle Alabama Deron Payne. Belichick loves his defensive lineman. They certainly need help and depth on that line and on defense in general. Deron Payne's a week one starter. I think uh, many fans would be satisfied with that pick.
4: I think it's an unbelievable pick for him. Honestly, a kid whose talent probably most years should have him pegged in the top 10, maybe top 15. God, falls 23 to him. They essentially... Got their next nose tackle for the next decade, probably.
3: Yeah, he's kind of a guy, too, where we've seen him projected higher, then lower. He's a name, is almost a wild card type mm-hmm. of name. He's been up and down the first round, into the second. I have seen him as high as top 10.
4: Absolutely. I know a lot of people I've seen him worry the about Raiders his motor. Yeah. I know a lot of people worry to, about those guys. stuff along those lines, but at the end of the day, I've also heard some very intelligent football people talking about how outstanding of a player he is. And I think, you know, going to a Patriots organization that at least has Bill Belichick for the moment, he can absolutely capitalize on that and get that man to play every single play.
3: No doubt. Like I said, he's a week one starter. He'll start all 16 games. He'll contribute and won't make any weird mistakes. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. The the on-the-mark draft rolls on with the... Carolina Panthers on the clock at 24. With the 24th overall selection in the on the mark draft, the Carolina Black Panthers select inside linebacker, Boise State, Leighton Vanderesh. I really like this guy, Benny. He's got that thing I look for grit. He's a tough guy. Um,. He's a playmaker. He's kind of one of these electric type of guys, man. He's all over the field, sideline to sideline. The Panthers value their linebackers, and they know how to identify good linebackers at that. Thomas Davis towards the back end of his career, issues staying healthy. Keekly, handful of concussions to say the least. Issues staying healthy. Hell of a player. Sha and they got the Shaq Thompson. Uh, so, they need a linebacker who is younger, uh, can be, you know, depended on to be out on the field getting snaps. I think Leighton Van Der Esch, I think he's a week one starter.
4: Totally agree. This kid has the size, athleticism, and versatility to be a playmaker for this Panthers team. And listen, you saw Keekley crying after he was knocked unconscious, you saw multiple times scares. With that man in his head. yeah. Who knows how many days he has left in the NFL. Whether it's his decision or not. And same goes for Thomas Davis. That man I know has had at least one knee surgery. If not more. Uh, Who knows how many more games. Both those guys have. You got to be looking for the future now. If you're the Panthers.
3: Absolutely. The Tennessee Titans are now on the clock. And we have on the mark Titans insider. Michael Passaro calling in. Am I on the mark right now? Mr. Michael Pissarro, welcome back to the annual On the Mark mock, mock draft episode. You were on point last year, Mike. Not many people study up on the draft like you do. you got your notes. You do your thing. You're very in tune with this entire process from beginning to end. How are you feeling Actually. going in with the 25th overall pick here? Uh, well,
11: at 25, if he's still there, I'm taking Howard Landry.
3: Okay. Tell us more.
11: I mean, the reason. I don't know, I'll be honest with you, John Robinson, I've been following him for two years now, right? He's about production. You know what I'm saying? He drives productive players, right? Who or just the all players? Like, if Dory Jackson played special teams and defense last year, you know what I mean? Right. He could play some offense.
3: Could play the nickel, Oregon, could play outside. Anything.
11: One of the best punt returners in the country. You know
3: what I mean? Yes. Corey Davis
11: broke records for the FBS most receiving yards ever. Fucking fifth overall. I mean, those kind of high. You can be about that. Yep. You know what I mean? But nobody was really great as a, as a receiver last year. You know what I mean? That went in the first round. So I'm taking Howard Landry at 25. He had 16 and a half sacks. In his junior year, injury-plagued this year, I think he falls because I'm going to have six quarterbacks go in the top 25, and I'm going to rock you out and get them.
3: Okay, I love the pick. Uh, we're both big fans of Robinson. Are you excited for Mike Rabel, the Mike Rabel era? Do you have hopes for him, or are you uh, suspicious? Super Bowl. You, you're feeling Super Bowl. Super Bowl. All right, yeah. Hey, they I'm, won I'm a playoff game be, last year. Gonna so. be,
11: it's going to be a Super Bowl within two years, all right? And I'm going to go this, and I want to say this on the mark because I don't think they're – When they play the Eagles in week four, cause it's a 42 to 10 burial
3: in Nashville. In Nashville. I'm going to the game. All right. Now. All right. Just for our on the mark VIP listeners, what are the other names you're hearing that are being tossed around with the Titans? I mean, what I'm hearing and what I like is
11: different. I'm hearing guys like Josh. Sweat,
3: like, you know, yeah, it doesn't excite uh,
11: you. Uh, dude, dude, almost knows his when you know what I mean. Yep. No, it's not. It's not. He's not. He's not a Robinson guy. He's a high league figure, and I haven't seen Robinson draft a workout warrior in the first round. I'm good with that in, in round two. You take a, you know, you maybe, you know, he's a boomer buck sure. kind of guy. Rashard Evans makes a lot of sense because he can play inside and outside. You know, and can play all three downs, and you lost a middle linebacker. How would you Avery feel? Williams.
3: How would you feel about a Calvin Ridley? No, absolutely not. How would you feel about a Darius Geis?
11: Absolutely not. Okay. There's no
3: need. I, I have a great. I have a great. I mean,
11: that's their strength right now. I got Derrick Henry. You know what I mean? And Deion Willis. I, I like that backfield a lot. You know what I mean? Yes. I would. Here's a name. Here's a name to look to look for it in the third round is Michael Galladay. Okay, Michael Gallup. I'm sorry, Michael Gallup from out of Colorado State. Okay, I think there's a 90 percent chance he's on Tennessee. Come, they might even trade up. Robinson trades up for guys he likes. They did it last year with Taylon Taylor. I think he's. I think he is definitely. I think that's the guy they're going to get. That they're going to look for a receiver. I don't think they need it. You know, that's just not the way I would go. Um, I like the. I don't like adding another young guy to this team. You know, I agree. They that's need. They me. need a
3: veteran presence now. Uh, and... Yeah, it's like
11: and I don't. I don't want Des, and I definitely don't want Marshall. But you know, if you're going to add a receiver, I take him in the third. I don't like this year's receiving floor. I don't like it.
3: Yeah, nothing real electric. There's nothing. Yeah, exactly. Like even
11: Ridley likes. If you look at it, like, yeah, he ran 43, and I'm not all about the mock. I mean, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm not all about the combine, but, like, everything else besides his 40 was
3: really, like, average. Yeah, he's kind of coming across as a poor man's Amari Cooper, in a way. Yeah, it, and I like Ridley. No, I do, you know too. But I do, too. i him in the first round. I do, too. Not in this draft. I'm with you. No, I get it. I get it. I'm with you, man. Mike, we love this stuff, folks. Uh, we always appreciate you coming on. This is your, you know, back-to-back years now. This is tradition now, Mike.
11: Yeah, I'm going to do it every year, and I'm telling you right now, if Landry's there, they're going to run to the podium and take him. They're going to, okay.
3: Right? I, I
11: it's you, written,
2: it's
3: documented. And and I'm telling you right now, don't be surprised if they take Josh
11: Sweat at 25 because after him, there's a cliff. Okay.
3: And guess what? We all have right, a buddy? we have a few guys. Who are Titans guys that listen to this show? They're going to certainly enjoy that. Mike, thank you, man. Yeah,
11: All right, you got it.
3: Later. That was on the mark, Titans insider, the great Michael Passaro.
4: All right, VIP listeners. Well, we've already told you that this whole process is somewhat of a logistical nightmare. Uh, We've told you that VIP listeners, that prognosticators that are inside people, some of which have gone missing. Uh Markey was a little concerned about that. He had to run out for a couple seconds. He wanted to go check on a couple people, go make sure that they're still breathing, if you get what I mean. So I'm going to do the next couple picks for you. So right now we have, at 26, the Atlanta Falcons on the clock. Now Atlanta's a somewhat interesting team. They have a lot of talent. Obviously, they were in the Super Bowl two years ago. But they kind of slipped back a little last year, and a lot of people, you know, are kind of getting off him. The division's very tough. Obviously, Drew Brees is still around. They need to get themselves a real player on this team to make a stand, and I think Dan Quinn's going to get himself another defensive guy. So with the 26th pick in the on-the-mark mock mock draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Tavin Bryan, Florida, D-Tackle. He's a big boy. 6'5", 290. He'll probably be about 300 by the time he hits camp. Still runs under a 5-second 40. 30 reps on the bench press. The guy's strong. The guy's fast. The guy's really twitchy. That's what they say about him. The guy's a twitchy athlete. A rare athletic ability on this guy. He doesn't necessarily have the best instincts for the position at the beginning, but he's still in the developmental phase as a prospect. And I really think that Dan Quinn's going to be able to get his hands on him and mold him very quickly. This kid's a Wyoming kid. He's a salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. And the Falcons, 100%, got themselves a nice playmaker for that defensive line. The New Orleans Saints are now on the clock. And with the 27th pick in the the on-the-mark mock-mock draft, the New Orleans Saints select DJ Shark, wide receiver, LSU. Now he's kind of a medium-sized wide receiver, But boy is this kid fast. 4'3", 4'40". He's pretty strong too for a wide out. This kid really gets physical. And while he might not be able to run the entire route tree to perfection, best believe Sean Payton and Drew Brees are going to be able to improve upon that. But this kid is tall. This kid is fast. He reminds you of a lot of the wide receivers that they've been going for, not only in recent memory, but in the past. Reminds me a little of Marquise Colston, who we all know had some really nice years. Like I said, Shark has a great combination of size, speed, and strength. But let's be honest, acceleration is where wide receivers get open in the NFL. And this kid's acceleration is smooth and sudden. So he should be able to get separation in the NFL against some elite cornerbacks despite the fact that he might not run the most crisp of routes. Listen, sometimes when you have Drew Brees, it doesn't matter as much if your routes are precise because he can put the ball on a dime where he sees you going. And at the end of the day, Sharks' ability to get deep and get behind the coverage will make defenses recognize that and potentially stay back a little more. Safeties won't be able to bum rush the line of scrimmage. It'll open up the field even more for an Alvin Kamara. I think it's a home run pick. I think Shark is instantly their number two wide receiver going into the season. Sometimes I'm a little iffy with rookie wide receivers, but I think Drew Brees has proven that he can get the most out of a young wide receiver, even one that is still in the developmental stages of his career. And possibly Drew Brees can turn that nice prospect into an amazing prospect. We'll see if Shark can get himself there. But either way, I like the pick for these Saints. And Marky is now moseying back into the studio. Uh, I believe he tracked Tony Nicky down somewhere in Vegas. Tony got a little lost there since we last talked to him. Had a few too many martinis. I think he thought he was in the Bellagio. He was really at Caesars. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know where he was staying. But we'll see what Tony has to say about his Steelers, who are now on the clock at
2: 28.
3: Welcome back, guys. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are now on the clock. Tony, welcome back to the show. Who are you... Taken for the Steelers here. Who do you got slotted at twenty-eight?
0: Here's a uh, here's a pick mark that I think's been on a lot of mocks, but but it's something you can't go wrong with. Rashawn Evans, linebacker out of Alabama. I just think it's a perfect fit for Mike Tomlin. He likes a a disciplined guy, and Nick Saban really is gonna mold these guys the right way. Rashawn Evans can play inside or outside. The Steelers loses the Steelers lose Shazier last season. And Evans comes in hasn't been beat up all that much. He's kind of, the first couple years, sat behind some future NFL linebackers um, at Alabama. And because of that, really only had one year. He's kind of an unknown, a little bit, he's kind of a more unknown guy in this draft. And uh, I just think he can do wonders for a Steelers team that that lost a franchise player in Shakespeare last season.
3: Yeah, no question about it. They need help. A lot of offenses uh, that, you know, can keep them looking uh, futile at times. The Steelers are known for good defenses, for having good defenses, but there's times where they're giving up major points to the better teams.
2: Absolutely. I mean, didn't the
3: Jaguars put up 40 something on them in the playoffs? Twice. Twice. Yeah, a Blake Bortles offense, a run first offense, really.
0: Yeah, I mean and they were at home. It was a cold weather
3: game and Jacksonville's Absolutely. a warm weather team it's outrageous, man.
0: It, it is outrageous. And let's not let's not devalue what a lost Shay is though. I mean, that's huge in the middle. I mean, of is, course, franchise changing player. And I think in Rashawn Evans, I'm not going to say you have Shay but you have a chance at some real potential guy that can play inside or outside. And the Steelers when they're good, man, they have a great defense. They have solid linebacker and end play and and it's been a couple years since they've had that.
3: Yeah, no no question. Now, Tone, I'm going to have you stay on the uh stay on the line here because I'm going to go through the next two picks with the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock at 29. We have them selecting and this is interesting. This is a fall guy. I have Calvin Ridley going to the Jags. They have a need at receiver. Ridley is fairly polished in terms of his hands and some route running ability. Can get better, of course. Uh, A lot of guys were impressed with his 40 time. I I have a thing for Ridley. He's flying under the radar here. I think he's going to be a nice player in the league. Uh, And he's a nice fit for what Doug Marone, Tom Coughlin have going on in Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, wouldn't he be a huge help for that offense? Help Bortles out, man. Help expand Fortnite a little bit.
3: Right, because Hearns and Allen Robinson are gone. They have a a need there. With the 30th overall pick, a team I really like in terms of talent, and I really like their head coach, the Minnesota Vikings select guard Will Hernandez, Texas El Paso. And you know, Tone, with a guy like Hernandez – He's a road grader He can move He can move defenders Which is the most important thing You build in the trenches You win in the trenches The Vikings have a stable of backs They want to protect their quarterback Like every team does But they do things on offense That are impressive And to maintain that You need to have good line play You need to solidify it I think Hernandez helps do that for them Or gives them hopes of doing that
0: no, absolutely. Like like I said earlier, there's not a better place to build than on that line. Got Cousins coming in, so yeah, that would only benefit a team like the Vikings.
3: Yeah, it's a nice fit, for sure. Tone, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. Great hearing from you. And uh, up, you guys. we'll get you on that draft recap, uh, recap show if you're available.
0: Sounds good, guys. Hey, God
3: bless. God bless. And with the 31st pick in the the on-the-mark, mock-mock draft, the New England Patriots select Lamar Jackson, quarterback-receiver, Louisville. This is Belichick's last project. He likes turning these quarterbacks into receivers. He did it with Edelman. He's had guys playing out of position before. If anybody could convince Lamar Jackson to do it, it's him. It's a luxury pick at the end of the second round. He already got his guy in Deron Payne, instant starter. You make Lamar Jackson the next Julian Edelman, but on steroids. The big-time guy. Uh, That would be quite a thing to add a new dynamic to Belichick's already established, prestigious resume.
4: Well, it makes perfect sense, Mark. They traded Brandon Cooks away, so not only do they need another possible playmaker on that offense, but they see the possibility that Tom Brady might be towards the end of the road, if not at the end of this season, Right, so very much coming up. Let him play
3: the rookie season at receiver, Tom Brady decides he wants to retire, Lamar still wants to play quarterback, hey Lamar, why don't you get back there, take a few snaps out of the shotgun.
4: Hey, they they scheduled a private workout with him.
3: Yeah, I know, and they uh, had all positive things to say about that workout.
4: So, it makes perfect sense.
3: Why not have a little fun with it?
4: Bill Belichick is always trying to revolutionize the game in some way. He sees how good Michael Vick did in that. Sure. Maybe he sees a little some comparison, and maybe he thinks he can work with it in a way that Mike Vick was never able to be worked on. One of on. the
3: things Belichick values the most is uh, flexibility, roster flexibility, position flexibility. Uh, why not do this project with Lamar uh, Jackson? Like I said,
4: it's a luxury first-round pick. And let's be honest, what has Bill Belichick been doing his whole time? He drafts a quarterback and then trades him in three years after the guy's played three games successfully.
3: Right, right. Now, you know, Lamar Jackson, uh, there's been a lot of heat from our local, or I should say our national media, uh, national football writers. or They're football writers. They claim they're football writers, but they're really political journalists claiming to be football writers saying it's racist if you think Lamar Jackson is a receiver and not a quarterback. How the heck is that racist? We're talking about sports here. How the heck is it racist to say somebody is talented enough to play two of the most dynamic positions in the sport? It's a compliment. It's an unbelievable compliment.
4: I just don't get that, Benny. You know how many NFL offensive and defensive linemen were quarterbacks at some point in their life, white and black, uh, and course. got told, "Listen, your skill set is better used at a different position. You can be a star at this other position." That's why you see guys like Lane Johnson, for instance. There you go. Playing all-pro left tackle in the NFL. Is it racist that he's not a quarterback? Right, 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 right. He's a hell of a tackle. He's one of the best in the league, and
3: he has a history. What? At, at what position was he at?
4: I could have sworn he played quarterback at least at some point, in and high I'm pretty school, sure right? he was a yes, yeah, a high school quarterback. And I think he might have played tight end in college. Yeah, so there's, I mean, and there's multiple
3: examples. I mean, position switching in football is like. One of the names of the game. It happens because your body changes. Uh, The demands at the level you're currently at change. Um, Various things. The system you're in. It has nothing to do with racial
4: profiling. And at the end of the day, (laughs) how is it racist to say your skill set is not up to par at this position. So we want to pay you millions to try some uh, other position well, we have... want to keep you around and pay you <laughs> to try and do something that you've never done Multi before because we like dollars. you that much
3: and you're gonna have like an easy pass a free pass for the first year or two to adapt absolutely no very low expectations yeah that sounds yeah.
4: like racist to me man. yeah
3: well we you can thank the folks over at sports illustrated for that kind of talk and like we said earlier in the show uh even rich Eisen. and called out Sports Illustrated on some of the stuff they're doing on Twitter. It's getting weird, gang. This is football. Nothing more. And the on-the-mark mock-mock draft rolls on with your Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, on the clock. <laughs> now back with us for the 32nd and final pick of the on-the-mark mock-mock draft, our NFC East insider, the great Johnny Donny. John, with the Eagles on the clock here, who do you got them taking to wrap up the first
7: round? Uh, so, uh, you know, pick 32, it's kind of just a value pick at this point, I, I assume. Um, <laughs> you, you just got to go best player available. Like we said before, the Eagles don't really have much areas of needs. Um, so right now, my my best player available would be Mike Gesicki, he tight end out of Penn State. Um, you know, like we said, tight ends not really, you know, a hole in the Eagles per se, but... In this situation, a guy like you sick, he's just too good to pass up.
3: Oh, man, I totally agree. He uh, put on a show. Uh, his physical numbers are phenomenal. He has the hands. He played against talented teams and performed. He stood out on a very talented team at Penn State. He's, to me, a can't-miss prospect. And if the Eagles grabbed him here, it would be reminiscent for me of the Steelers getting like a Heath Miller at the end of the first round. And uh, we know the type of career Heath Miller had. And Gasicki is way more physically gifted than a Heath Miller. So this would be right. a, this would be a amazing slam pick, slam dunk pick. So there you have it, gang. Johnny, yes. is there anything you want to add to the Gasicki pick? No, that's it. Okay. There you Thanks have it, VIP some. listeners. That's the first round. That was Johnny Donnie. This was the on-the-mark, mock-mock draft. The NFL draft, man, is a... Uh, great time of the year for me it always has been for many different reasons and now Benny this episode to me us doing this episode this is one of my favorite episodes to do we piece it together like a Rubik's Cube like a big puzzle that it is like I said it's a logistical nightmare but it's fun it's exciting we bring people together we have fun doing it it's a lot that goes into it but we look forward to this episode every year
4: I absolutely love it, Marky. It's a can't-miss episode for us. I I think it's one of our best works yet. And uh, I'm excited for next year, I gotta say.
3: I know, already. I'm sad it's over. It's like our Christmas episode, our Thanksgiving episode. I always look forward to those, too. There's a buzz about them.
4: Totally agree, and the NFL draft has always been somewhat of a holiday in my mind as well.
3: It is. You need that football fix. You know you're heading into the uh, summer months. Uh, Football's a little bit of a ways out. I believe it's 20 Sundays until NFL football begins.
4: Sounds like nothing.
3: Yeah, it really does. Sounds like nothing, but that'll wear on you a little bit. Sure. And you know, you might think this weekend's the Super Bowl.
2: Mm
4: -hmm. A
3: lot of football, a lot of important people this weekend talking football. I can't wait to hear from Mel Kuiper. I can't wait to hear more Mayock, Gruden, some other coaches around the league I'm looking forward to hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a good time. I think on this episode, we actually presented a very friggin' realistic first round here for the, uh, for the draft. I mean, these are names that are being floated out, and we're bringing in all different types of cast of characters to present it. They're not necessarily our picks. But I'm on board with it. Sure, why not, as we like to say.
4: Absolutely sure, why not. Not only is this an authentic list, but it's a very original list, too. It's something that absolutely could happen this yeah. weekend. Yeah. But and they, by the same token, who knows? Yeah. Anything could happen.
3: Yeah. We didn't just go look at Mike Mayock's mock draft or whoever, Daniel Jeremiah's sure. 1.0, 2.0, and piece it all together. We let this happen naturally.
4: And there are picks in there that you probably won't find on any other mock draft. But that's because we go to outside sources. We don't just create a list by ourselves. Right. We get experts. We get analysts. We got prognosticators.
3: Real prognosticators. And like I said, I think a lot of these guys fall victim where they look too deep into everything. Mm -hmm. We're not. We don't. We don't do that. We don't do that. This. We don't. That's not our um, our motive here. No. We're keeping it light light sports talk when we do- when we finally decide to That's, dive into
4: sports. And that doesn't mean there's not a ton of research that goes into all of this by us and the people we use. But at the same time, you got to keep it light.
3: Yeah, no question. So, gang, VIP listeners, we hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back with you next week for the draft recap episode. Uh, we have some On The Mark draft blogs coming your way. There's already one out. So go check that out on the On The Mark WordPress account. We will be talking to you soon. I love you guys. Enjoy the draft. Enjoy the weekend. And keep up the good fight. On the mark.